This is the Joy of Geek. Welcome to the Joy of Geek podcast, part four of our year in geek celebration. I'm Rich Lapore, and I'm here with Kevin Schaefer, Jordan Alseka, and this is it, guys. This is the big uh, film countdown where we talk about not countdown, but film best of the 2017 discussion where we talk about um, all of the great movies and also some of the worst movies and also some of the most surprising and different categories like that of the past year. Um, and uh, Kevin, why don't you uh, why don't you sort of sum up the kind of categories we're going to be talking about and things like that for us? Sure. So we got a full list here. Uh, we've got top three. We'll work our way throughout uh, those throughout the episode, sharing our top three favorite movies of the year. We've got favorite director, uh, best screenplay, favorite actor and actress. Uh, we've got uh, cinematography, most surprising, most disappointing, uh, worst favorite character. And then a category we made up. Which um, is always a fun tradition. Yes. Yeah. It won't be in that order, but I just ran through the categories. Nice, uh, nice. And, and so we'll be talking about all these, but yeah, I'm really excited. About, and we'll do honorable mentions, of course, before we share our number one picks. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited about this episode. Um, you know, just it was funny looking at it this year. Usually each year, I you know, I have a few movies I really liked that, that surprised me. But in general there aren't like so many that it's hard to choose from. This was a very difficult list to make yes. because my honorable mentions could have easily made it in the top my top three. Um, there were just so many great movies that came out this year uh, or in 2017, which I, is very rare. I, I mean, I had it. I had a similar experience where I literally couldn't believe when I was going through the Wikipedia list of the movies released this year, I couldn't believe they were all 2017. Oh, it, I know. I, I mean, it, it was so dense with solid movies and interesting movies and so many superhero movies and so many action-adventure movies and so many great dramas and so many good comedies and so many movies that I feel like people have been talking about for two years, but of course they couldn't yeah. have been. Um, and so it's it really felt like two years worth of movies packed into one year. And I haven't felt that way in many, many years. And that oh. also, of course means that making these lists was truly brutal. It was. Yeah, the, <clears throat> oh, go ahead, Jordan. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, for me, film is obviously, you know, I've said it before, film's my least favorite of the four mediums we cover. It's still far ahead of music, which, God forbid, we ever started that podcast. Mm. But... The uh, joy of notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I When I was making my list, I saw 33 of the films that came out this year, uh, yeah. which was a... a larger pool than i would have expected that's including everything uh that i saw in theaters everything i saw on home video and everything that came to netflix even i think netflix had a really strong showing this year they're going to show up on my list uh a couple of times um and then yeah it, it's just i had a really hard time with this i'm still considering i have six movies uh in my top range and i'm like which ones are the honorable mentions which ones are the top three and even now i'm just i'm still trying it's like it's by degrees there were a lot of good movies this year yeah, it's it's and really also, true. I mean, Rich, like you were saying, just films of all shapes and sizes. I mean, the cat like, and there was I have a bunch of movies in different categories here. None of them that really overlapped, and I'm glad to be able to talk about different ones. But yeah, they were great indies. I saw there were great genre flicks, great blockbusters, sequels. I mean, there was just so much, and so I'm really excited to talk about the ones on this list. I know it. I know it. I I just. 
I just feel like it's been so long since some of these movies came out, but I guess it hasn't. It's a really, yeah. really, really, really stellar year. Okay, yeah, well, I, with that, without, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Jordan. No, I was just gonna say I'm glad we have. This is probably has our most categories of any show we've done this year, but I it lets me talk about a lot of movies, so I'm okay yes. with it. Awesome, absolutely awesome. Well, hey, without any further ado, because we got a lot of awesome content to get through. Buckle let, in. Let's yeah, buckle yeah. up. Yeah, word. Yeah. Um, yeah. so first off, we're gonna start like we kind of always do, and that is talk about some of the movies that we. Although you've seen Jordan 33 of the year, I've seen a little less than that, but quite a few. Um, I'm sure you've seen around that same amount, uh, Kevin, right? I think it was about 35 when so I got there, it. I had a feeling you would take the uh, the jury prize on that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, it would be. Imp- it is also important to note that we can't see everything. Um, and uh, so there are some things that we wish we had seen. Um, I definitely have a couple notable ones on that list. Um, so let's break down the movies we wish we had seen in 2017. Jordan, why don't you start it off for us? All right. There were uh, a couple, and honestly, as with every category, easier than games or TV um, and comics from an affordability standpoint. Film is one that's really easy to catch up on at the end. Um, I watched a few movies this week to try and round out my list. Um, I think I watched four or five films uh, just trying to catch up. And I had a few more, though, that I didn't get to um, that were either films I didn't really think would have a place on this list or ones I legitimately bummed I missed out on. So I didn't end up seeing Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Um, I own it. We we got it on Black Friday cheap, but I just we haven't watched it yet. Um, It was a coin flip between that and another movie that I'll talk about in a little bit on the list of which one we'd watch last night. Didn't get around to that. Um, the biggest one is probably Your Name, um, which is an anime that released earlier this spring, um, and everybody was talking about it. It got great reviews. It's a film about a, uh, high schooler in the city and a high schooler out in the country. Uh, I forget which one's the boy, which one's the girl, but they suddenly, they, they wake up one day and they start switching bodies every other day, and it's supposed to be a really great romance with a really great narrative, um, very affecting, and my it, it's just not available outside of Blu-ray yet. That was my big problem. It's not streaming anywhere. It's not available to rent streaming. So I'm very reticent to buy films that I don't know if I like yet. Um, I don't buy a lot of films on Blu-ray, and the ones that I do are almost always either on Super Sale or Marvel. movies I've already seen. Or yeah. Marvel. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I buy all the Marvel movies. But, uh, so Your Name is one I'll see in a couple weeks. I'll definitely update if when I get the chance, but that was probably my biggest movie I wish I'd seen because I feel like it would have had a place somewhere on this list. I just didn't get a chance to see it. Cool. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, so I had uh, quite a few, uh, as I, I watched a few a few less movies than you guys did this past year. Um, one of I'm going to start with a funny one. Um, so I'm a big uh, crime fiction fan, and uh, Yo Nesbo is a um, really cool Norwegian crime writer. Um, he was also the writer of a really cool movie called Headhunters, which came out of, uh, I think it was, was it, it was either Sweden or Norway it was, it was made in, but it was a fantastic like thriller movie that came out a couple years back, and it was just, just so, so good. I recommend you, you catch it if you get a chance. But anyway, um, The Snowman. Um, is oh, a yeah. yeah is a is a crime thriller that came out this year. The rev- uh, the trailers looked a little bit weak, but I was like, oh, but I still kind of want to see it. And then the reviews came out, and, and I mean, it's it's supposedly you know a, a train wreck. I mean, just an absolute terrible movie. Um, I still wish I'd seen it though, and uh, you know, because it's not fair. I, how can I pick my worst movie without seeing Snowman, right? 
Um, if I remembering our episodes, I have an idea of what might be your worst movie, but we'll see when we get there. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. I think you might you might be onto to something with that. Um, and then uh, on on a more realistic note as to what things might have made my actual list, there are a couple movies that came out late in the year that really prevented me from having had a chance to see them. The two most notable are three billboards aside, Ebbing. What is it? Minnesota or. Missouri. Uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And Missouri, right. Um, so that movie looks fantastic. Um, I, I tend to be, again, reticent to watch movies that I know are going to be really, really hard watches, you know, about murders or death, especially of children uh, or young people. Um, but that one looks like it – I mean, I would see it anyway at some point just when I'm in you know a frame of mind where I can handle it. But that one looks like it's actually going to be triumphant, triumphant in its own way. And just uh, everything I hear about is that it's fantastic. Um also, I, Tanya. Um, so I know that I will yeah. like this movie when I see it. Um, I, the performances look fantastic, uh, Margot Robbie in particular. Um, so I'm really into that. I was around for that whole experience. I remember it super well. Um, and so I really want to see that one. And then the two that you guys are probably going to be most upset that I haven't seen are Logan Lucky and Baby Driver. Um, these are both movies I sort of lump into the same category of like Snatch-esque sort of like heisty, crimey films. Um, I know Baby Driver in particular is uh, Edgar Wright, who, you know, is, is kind of a legend um, in general, but also on this podcast. Um, we've been raving about his movies, you know, for years and years and years and years, especially you, Jordan. Yep. Um, and uh, and so I know Baby Driver is a masterpiece. Everybody says it. I just haven't seen it yet. I have the Blu-ray, much like uh, you mentioned that you have of uh, Kingsman. It's sitting in my drawer right here. I just haven't had a chance to pull it out and, uh, and rock out. Um, uh, as they as he uh, drives for, away from heists, so those are my picks. I haven't seen Logan Lucky either, so I, I oh, don't okay. have any preference for that. Uh, I haven't either. I was I was oh, okay. going to a few. I, that's on my list of which I wish I had seen as well. But um, I was going to a few months ago, and then I wasn't feeling well that day. And yeah, I just got it wasn't in theaters terribly long, but okay. um, but I just want to see that. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, well, why don't you uh, pick up? Uh, so Baby Driver's one of them. What else, uh, Kev? Well, no, no, Logan Lucky. I mean, so, Logan Lucky. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Baby Driver, I saw twice in theaters. Right, yeah. right. I forgot. Uh, yeah, yeah. But um, so wish I had seen, and I'm planning on it this week because it just came to the Rialto. But uh, Lady Bird is definitely. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Yeah, that was one yes. for me. Yeah, yeah. That's I definitely want to see that. I mean, I've heard nothing but stellar reviews, and um, it just sounds like a really great coming of age story. Uh, but I am planning on seeing it sometime this week. I just didn't get a chance to before this episode. Uh, but. That's up on my list. Um, out of curiosity, I do. I haven't watched it yet, but the Netflix original Bright, I just kind of. Oh, yeah, I know Jordan, <laughs> Jordan, I know you've seen it, but yeah. I, got, I mean. Is I it that bad? It. Okay, I'll, I'll, we'll leave it to I've later. I've heard mixed things. Like, some say it's, like, god-awful, and then others are like, it's not the most terrible thing I've ever seen, but could it be a lot better? So, I don't know. i got to see it out of curiosity. It may, it may I'll, be I'll just say, because it does not make my worst spot. Uh, oh. It was a contentious category, as we'll we'll see when we get okay. there. It's it's just it's it's very dumb. It has a uh, a lot of issues. Uh, to put it kind of, it has a mythology, but it's not really interested in engaging with it. It's really yeah. just this weird Suicide Squad feeling. Not surprisingly, like stereotypy mess of a film. Yeah. The, the problem that I've heard with it is that it tries to cover way too much ground in too little time. Um, and try to basically it's like a tv show premise right um, yeah it's also extremely grim i mean it, it's oh, not really it's like no fun. it is a very grim dark fantasy film uh, so it's but but grim dark just in dark in tone or or dark as in depressing throughout 
dark in tone, depressing throughout, oh, visually very hard to look at, dark. Um, that's not good. That's it's not just, good. It's a mess of a film. It's going to get sequels, though. It's according I know. To yeah, that's I heard. Most watched <laughs> films. So. I, I mean, I wonder what the repeat viewing was on it, though, but anyway. But yeah, I, I know, based on the concept of it, it just sounded like it would work better as a TV show or a comic or something where it has an ongoing story. Well, time to but, breathe with that mythology yeah, that you mentioned. I right, mean, if you create right. something with all these different fantasy races, you can't do that in, in an hour. You can't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, two hours. Yeah. But I am curious enough to see that. Oh, um, me too. So that, and then I definitely want to see The Post as well, um, which, uh, I mean, it didn't come out until January. Um, but my parents saw it. They loved it. You know, they, um, of course, they were journalism majors back in the day, too. Uh, and so that I definitely got to see. Um, but probably within the next week or so. Um, but that was all my, you know, I, I did manage to see a lot. So nice. Was, yeah. yeah, not not too bad of a, of a regret list. OK, cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, where does that take us, Jordan? Uh, that'll be back, I guess, to me on our next category, which is surprising film of the year. Awesome. All right. Uh, this one was actually one where I had two contenders, um, and the the runner up for this is actually the movie I watched instead of Kingsman last night. Uh, that was the Lego Ninjago movie. Oh um, wow! Just because I, I, you know, I heard nothing but bad things about it when it came out. Did you really like bad Lego things? Movie. Yeah, I mean, very mediocre mix. It was like you know, it's the worst Lego movie. It's not as good. Shines off the apple. A lot of that. Um, but I thought it was really funny. Uh, we, we had a really good time with it. I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed, I still love the Lego visuals. Um, even after three movies, they're still doing creative new things with it. And, uh, honestly, I probably enjoyed it more than the Lego Batman movie. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I'm, I know I'm in the minority there. Well, Uh, expectations play a role too. The Lego Batman movie was not as funny as I expected to be though. It was fun, but it really wasn't like. It was nowhere near the quality of the first Lego movie. So No, I think it also has pacing problems because it's yeah, basically yeah. a climax for the last 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so it's a bit exhausting. That's funny talking about pacing um, problems in an animated movie, but I guess that's the age we live in. Yeah, but my biggest surprise, really, I couldn't have been anything else, was Power Rangers. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. This is a movie... I expected to be terrible. It looked really bad going in. Um, and even with the lowered expectations of not really caring, since Power Rangers is still going to come on Saturday mornings, regardless of what this movie is, um, it was surprisingly good, I thought. I mean, it's still pretty dumb and pretty silly, but uh, despite needing someone to turn up the damn brightness so that the colors actually pop, uh, that'd be my one thing I wish for, uh, you know, like a new version of it is that someone does, you know, stops filtering it so dark. It's a really, it's, it's a fun enough movie. Um, it, it does reinterpret stuff from Mighty Morphin, which, you know, isn't even a season I'm that closely tied to. I like the later seasons a lot more, but it's a fun movie. Elizabeth Banks is clearly having a ball playing the very crazy over the top reader of Pulsa. Um, it, it does have some egregiously bad product placement. Um, but you know, yeah, <laughs> Uh, it's a major plot point. It's not, not just product. It is a plot point. <laughs> what's what's cream is Krispy Kreme? Okay. Yeah. Um, it's like an but, actual location they have to go to as part of their mission, and it's like it's just hilarious. And it's, it's a full I mean, shot. It is a focal point of the climax. Like yeah. Nice. Uh, but you know, I I enjoyed it. It was it was better than it had any right to be. Uh, whether or not they actually end up making a sequel still seems to be up in the air a year later. But uh, I'd watch it, and and you know I. I, I liked Power Rangers. It was a surprise for me. So that was my most surprising film. Nice. Now, that was on my contender here, too, because 
I had the same thoughts going in. I was like, God, they're going to make it some gritty, like, stupidly dark movie and all that. And I was just pleasantly surprised that it was the dumb, fun movie that it should have been. And it was very much paying homage to the original series. And, you know, there were still, yeah, parts that were laughably bad. But I'd rather it be, like, bad for, like, because it was stupid fun than bad because, like, they were trying to be too gritty. So I liked it. Yeah. Uh... Next up is you, Kevin. What's your surprise? Okay. My most surprising is that, and Rich and I have a story on, about this one, um, which we told on another episode, but this is the uh, sci-fi epic Valerian mm. and the Thousand Planets. Um, awesome. So we, you can hear Rich and I's story about this um, on the one of the previous episodes, but we can maybe sum it up here. But anyway, I saw it um, with my friend Jacob over the summer, and when I saw the trailers for this movie... Yeah, it looked cool, but I was like, I don't know, man, like, Luke Besson, you know, doesn't have the best track record. I'm like, this could easily be terrible. However, and, Fifth and, Element. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. And it felt very much like Fifth Element. I mean, um, it was definitely a visual spectacle. But not only that, but, I mean, so the dialogue is really, like, laughably bad um, in a kind of, I mean, in a funny way. But the actual story, I really enjoyed. I mean, it was basically... You know, the, these kids are like agents for this intergalactic federation. They're going on missions at first, but then they find out there's like turmoil within the organization itself. And so they kind of become fugitives. It's a really fun space epic. And it the visuals are phenomenal. It's great world building. Um, I mean, the acting is pretty bad. They definitely should have gone with someone else for um, the two leads. But um, and the dialogue is like, again, like laughably bad. There's a lot. The closing line is like him telling her that she's the only one on his playlist or something and it was so stupid but um but i loved the look of the aliens i that like sounds how... like a real that sounds like a real ape of guardians man it kind of i mean yeah playlists it, like, really yes. wow oh, yeah you know it was very much i mean there were a lot of connections you could make to guardians like in terms of style but even then i thought it was it, luke besson did a really good job of giving it his own unique flair um and yeah, and it, I, I, probably the most fascinating thing about it is that it has a really episodic format to its storytelling, um, you know, because there's different missions they go on, and then there's this overarching plot with the organization, and I thought that was all handled very well in the span of, what, two, two and a half hours, however long it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, the effects are phenomenal. Um, it great world building, so I really enjoyed it. It did terrible at the box office, and was barely in theater so i'm glad i saw it when i did um but i still think it has the potential of becoming a cult classic like oh, it, will. it, will. Yeah. it yeah. will i'm gonna tell you a funny uh strange thing about that movie uh, also i've been hearing a phone is that is that yours kevin your phone yeah sorry i don't know how to get it down because oh um, don't worry about it It won't happen much don't worry about it yeah okay yeah, yeah. um anyway the um that movie is the one film that I think I think there's only one in this category that did not get released in 3D on Blu-ray. So here's the really? thing. Here's yeah. So here's the thing about 3D and me. I don't go see 3D movies almost ever. The only time mm -hmm. I do is when it's filmed in 3D and intended to be 3D from the outset. Obviously, right. uh, see Avatar as a great example. Seeing Avatar in theaters in IMAX in 3D was an experience. In fact, it was the only good part of seeing that movie was the visuals, <laughs> and, three, and 3D made it better, right? So this movie, I actually rented the Blu-ray, 
and I was going to watch it with somebody because um, we didn't get to see it at the theater as per that story we, ta- we ta- talked about because <laughs> um, that would have been an even, more, even worse experience with the scratch screen. But anyway, um, the, uh, I get the Blu-ray out of Redbox. I'm about to watch it with somebody and they're like, this movie would be so much better in 3D, wouldn't it? And I was like, fuck! Because you just reminded me that it was originally in 3D. God damn it. So I, so I went and looked and it is the one... 3D movie that was not released in the U.S. in 3D. Really? Oh, but wait. In England, it's released in 3D. In Europe, 3D. Japan, 3D. But here, Region 1, or Region A, I think they call it with Blu-rays, not available in 3D. So I'm almost holding out until they come out with a 3D one. I have a 3D TV and glasses that I never use. But for this movie, I just, I want to see it in 3D. I just do. I want to see it. That's a big ask. That'll get that release. It is a big ask. So I may just end up having to see it in Blu-ray, but I'm going to give it a year or two, see if the the cult status gods uh, uh, bestow me with a a 3D copy. But if not, I'll probably end up just having to watch it in Blu-ray. And I'm sure it'll be glorious in, in, in Blu-ray and, and better in some ways because 3D has a lot of drawbacks. But anyway, that's just yeah, a really no, interesting I, little little fact. That is interesting. But yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was amazing how bad it did box office. I mean, yeah, there, there were two. It was huge, an insane budget, too. But there were two really I, huge disappointments box office wise this year for how good the movies were. And that was that, obviously, in 2049. Um, yes. Just two tragedies. Yeah, big time. Both sci-fi too. It's it, it yeah. is it is interesting. It does point to a trend that, to some extent, um, massive audiences are intimidated by like very sci-fi movies. Ghost in the Shell probably didn't do super well either. Not that that's a great film, but you know. Anyway. Yeah. Cool. All right, Rich. What's yours? Uh, okay, so my most surprising. This is a big deal um, because mine incorporates some of the movies that were some of my favorite movies of the year. Um, I guess that's kind of how it is with surprises. But I uh, subtitled this category. A couple of my categories have subtitles this year. This subtitle is Surprise, How to Fall in Love with Superhero Films Again. Um, And uh, for me, I have an issue. I know you guys just love, 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 love superhero films. And and, and that's just a big part of the movie releases every year for you. For me, it's love-hate. I always worry that I'm going to be tremendously bored for two hours and 45 minutes. Um, I just, I don't, I love superhero movies when they're done really well, but in a, in large part, I've just seen so many at this point that I just know all the story beats. They're so repetitive. They're so typical. I, I've seen New York be destroyed and nuked and bombed and exploded, <laughs> and I've seen robots do this and that and the other thing. I've seen every special effect under the sun in every special effects movie. I'm just a little jaded about the superhero genre. I just am. Sure. And I didn't like disaster movies, which are sort of one, you know, superhero movies have kind of pulled some things from a couple different types of you know blockbusters of the past you know it pulls sort of like the robotic um larger than life stuff from you know things like the transformers movies and other movies like that it pulls like the the everything is going to be destroyed but superheroes have to save it from disaster movies and then there's monster movies i mean it pulls from a lot of different sources these superhero movies do um which is cool um but i'm just so burnt out on all of that stuff and and anyway this year was the year that that changed there were three movies um, that just – there were even more than that, but there were three in particular that just blew me away with how fantastic they were and transcended the superhero genre, um, one of which I'll talk about a little later. The other two were Wonder Woman and Ragnarok. Um, sure. 
And uh, these are um, just two movies that, especially Ragnarok, in, in, in the way that I wasn't expecting much. With Ragnarok, I really thought that I was going to be like, oh my god, it's the third Thor movie, right? I mean, this is the ultimate surprise, because for most people, I didn't even see The Dark World, because I just heard so much bad about it. I actually had the Blu-ray, I just never popped it in. It just never spoke to me. The first Thor was good, but, you know, it, it wasn't, like, great, great. And then... Um, this one, I was just like, okay, now it's going to be freaking Guardians of the Galaxy meets Thor. It's all mixtaped out. Um, it's all about, like, the soundtrack from the 70s and 80s, and I, it's just going to be boring. And, in fact, I, I, I haven't had that much fun watching a superhero movie, maybe ever. It was hilarious from start to finish. It was wonderful. I found the plot to be just totally captivating and compelling. The world building, I just loved that movie. Um, and then Wonder Woman... Um, I had heard really good things going into it, so I wasn't as surprised. But on the other hand, DC had such a bad track record at that point. And for that movie to be as fantastic and lovely and wondrous and gorgeous as it is, um, and just the messages that it that it puts forth, and I, I just, I that movie is, I can't gush about it enough. Um, so Ragnarok and Wonder Woman um, are sort of in that category with the subtitle of They Made Me Fall in Love with Superhero Movies Again. Awesome. Cool. <clears throat> Sorry for the cheat. No, you're fine. Is that everybody for surprising? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Who starts the next one? Kevin, you're taking us to from the surprise to the disappointment. What was your most disappointing film of 2017? Okay, so my most disappointing. Yeah, I gave this. I gave this movie like a straight five out of ten. When I saw the trailers, I was really hoping that it would be a fun movie musical and. You know, it had Hugh Jackman. I'm like, come on, it's going to be, like, fun. I mean, I was very disappointed by Les Mis a few years ago, but this looked much more like a, you know, fun, well-choreographed musical, and I thought I could enjoy it. But, uh, so, it, this is The Greatest Showman, um, which I saw toward the end of 2017, um, at, like, right around Christmas. Uh, and, yeah, I give it, like, a straight-up 5 out of 10 because... The production value is fantastic. Uh, overall, the soundtrack is great. There was like one song I didn't like, um, but it had a lot of elements in place to be really good. But I thought the script was terrible. Uh, the pacing was incredibly uneven. Um, it gave really no depth whatsoever or any just personality to the supporting characters. Um, it focuses pretty much all on him. And then, you know, even though it's supposed to be a movie about, you know, um, being weird and being accepted and all that, all the characters that are in the circus just get totally sidetracked and they don't get really anything to do. Um, there is a ridiculously forced romance in it that it just comes out of nowhere and it doesn't really have any catalyst and it's just... That movie sounds patronizing to all, all everyone who's different, not celebratory. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I agree. And so, um, and yeah, the ending, like... Um, the main character's problems are just solved within a song and it was just uh it was it just felt so forced and yeah i mean it was a shame because i thought that, you know the casting was great and everything i mean obviously hugh jackman you know has the charisma to lead anything and you know Dude and can sing. Course, yeah i mean there was i mean no doubt about that and um i thought zach afron was really good and zendaya and everyone but um but yeah and it was just ridiculous i mean it was the mainly it was just the pacing and the script were just so just turned me off so much um and probably the most i mean the most uh, like um the best example of how just forced it is and how it's trying to shove down its themes down your throat there's this scene where they you know because this is about 
um, the circus and Barnum Bailey and all that. And there's a scene where they bring in this British singer into their show to help give it some boost their numbers and kind of draw in more crowds and all that. Sounds about and right. So, right. And so like the scene is literally just her singing in front of this uh, huge crowd of people. But there was so there was an opportunity there to do more with the choreography and with the editing and the filmmaking. And it literally is just the camera cutting back and forth between her singing and the audience wow. ooing and awing over. And it sounds like, like amateur hour, me, man. Right, which to me is just saying the director's like, hey, you should be cheering and clapping and amazed at this point because isn't this fantastic? I'm like, no, you shouldn't have to force that kind of thing down the audience's throat. You just let it happen naturally. And that to me, that was the entire movie for me. It just felt like it's trying to shove its themes down your throat. It was just, and it really turned me off. And it's a shame because I really wanted a good family-oriented you know, movie musical. And I realized that movie musicals are very hard to make. Um, you know, there was a time period in you know the history of film where um they were very popular and they were done really well in the modern age it's harder to do and i get that but still we had la la land last year and that was great and that felt you know that had a really engaging story to it the characters were actually believable and um it just flowed really well and the pacing was great here direct opposite it was just all over the place it didn't feel you know and the weirdest thing too is it's supposedly a period piece but it, the entire movie feels like a modern pop music video, and I didn't really get why. You know, I can't believe really... it's not. I can't believe it's not um, a Baz Luhrmann uh, joint. It really. <laughs> oh, it felt so much like Baz Luhrmann. Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't know. The director must have been like his disciple or something. But too, too bad Baz uh, Luhrmann's too, been too busy trying to get the Get Down uncancelled. Just kidding. That'll yeah, never yeah. happen. <laughs> that movie was. I mean, that show was. Oh God. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. But. It, I don't know. It was interesting. My high school drama teacher loved it and then didn't like La La Land. So, I mean, I, I know a lot of people who like this one, but it just it did not do anything for me. So or as much as it could have. I mean, I, like I said, sure. I like a, a five is not a, is not a two. You know, No, it was definitely disappointing. So greatest showman. Cool. Rich, what you got? <clears throat> I got um, an interesting one. Now, I believe I'm going to double check this with you guys. Um, is the Belco experiment definitely 2017? Yes. yes. Okay, I thought it was. Um, so, the Belko experiment. <laughs> um, this is a genre that I really like, the Battle Royale genre. Uh, I love it, love it, love it. Um, Danganronpa is a great example of it that we've both been really into, Jordan, um, in the game side. Um, you know, there's the movie Battle Royale. Uh, there's Avengers Arena, <laughs> which is the freaking hookup from Dennis Hopeless. Um, I love the idea of... Uh, 100 people trapped together or 50 people trapped together or 20 people trapped together and forced to battle to the death because of what it brings out of the characters, right? It shows you who the true heroes are. It shows you who the true villains are. It offers an amazing opportunity to flash back to their lives before they were in this situation and show how they were built and how they became who they are now. Um, all of these different things, um, 3% is another great example of this kind of thing, um, and the Hunger Games, you know, these are all just really entertaining things, and they, they, they do a really good job of pulling the past in and into the present and, and putting it all together. Um, the This movie had some great characters. I loved the main character. I liked the love interest, uh, the, the evil bad guy that was the guy, he's also the president in uh, Scandal, <laughs> on that TV show. Um, and, uh, you know, he played a pretty good president of the company slash, you know, at ultimate villain. Um, but unfortunately, a movie like this lives and dies on whether or not it can, in the end, um, 
sell you on why this had to happen. Because if it doesn't do a good job of explaining itself and why these characters had to suffer to this tremendous extent, um, it just it kills the movie. And when you get to the end of this movie and you find out how shallow and stupid and cliche the ending is, um, it just belittles and destroys everything that you saw before it. So not only was this movie disappointing because I loved the genre and didn't love the movie, it was also disappointing because for two-thirds of the movie I was having a okay to, to good time waiting for a good payoff at the end and ready to be like happy and excited and the movie itself disappointed me within its own structure um so on those fronts together um it makes it wins the award um for most disappointing uh, by a lot uh well thank you you made my job easier uh because i've been back and forth on two movies and the belko experiment was one of them oh okay uh, okay for disappointing yeah awesome and, and... awesome I was torn between two movies, and the Belko Experiment, I was leaning towards the other one anyway. You picking it makes it much easier for me to not pick it. Nice. Um, but I will say that the Belko Experiment was a movie that, you know, it had James Gunn had written it. It, it. it was a premise that I did like. I like movies where people are kind of forced into these horrible situations. They're, uh, they can be, you know, in a dark way, fun. Um, for me, yeah, I didn't love the ending. Um, I didn't think that it did enough with the concept it was not like it's not a movie with any great kills i mean if you go into a movie that's like sold on on bloodshed and mayhem there's not really a lot of great over the top kind of crazy kills which you would expect from james gunn uh it definitely is the feel of a script he had written and never really put much work into but then they were like oh james gunn's hot let's make this movie uh which is unfortunate um, but I, I also don't know that I went in with the greatest of expectations. We only saw it because the movie we wanted to see was sold out. What was um, it? What was that one? The movie we wanted to see? Yeah. Get Out. Oh, okay. <laughs> it came out right around the same time. Um, but for me, then, it makes it easier. Uh, my most disappointing movie is a movie that, God, I wanted to like. Um, I went in wanting so much to enjoy this movie and have a fun time. And I did not have a fun time. It just... You know, we have a whole episode discussing what its issues were, but for me, my most disappointing movie was Thor Ragnarok. Um, as much as I really think it is a fun time, it just, I still retrospectively feel it was a very hollow movie that I don't know how well it'll stand up on repeat viewings, which, you know, it's not on home video yet, so I can't say for certain, because obviously I'm going to buy it. And it's definitely a, a really fun film. Uh, there, there's a lot to like there, but it was just... It felt like it was missing any stakes or any big um, – not even missing stakes. The stakes were there. It's just no one seemed to care about them, and so it made it hard to invest in any of the – I mean, there wasn't really much drama. So as much fun as I had, and it was funny, it just – it left me wanting, so Thor Ragnarok was my disappointing movie. It disappoints me that you just said that, but anyway. <laughs> I guess it's going to happen. I'll have to be disappointed. All righty. Next up. Um, I'm gonna hit you probably, I, well, we'll, we'll get to it. Anyway, uh, next up is number three, and Rich, you'll be starting us off here. Okay. Um, oh, wow, number three movie. Ooh, this is tough. Okay. Um, this was really hard, um, because my honorable mentions could have easily gone in this slot. Um, ooh, it's so close. It's so close between two movies, um, or actually really three movies. Man, this is really hard. Because um, I have like a, a like a one slash one slash one here, um, hmm. yeah, I I have to give it to uh, to Logan. Um, okay. Logan Logan is the number three. Um, this is the movie that started the trend this year of blowing people's minds with uh, what superhero movies can be. 
Um, this is a movie that um, totally transcends its genre. It's a it's a virtuoso, masterful performance by Hugh Jackman. Um, he absolutely destroys um, in in this role of uh, an aging superhero, um, of someone whose you know time uh, had come and then is long gone. Um, the thing right when the movie starts, it just rips into you with its visceral brutality um, and that fight that you see at the beginning. It's like, oh my god. You didn't even realize that superhero movies up to that point had been hamstrung by their ratings. But then when you finally see what an R-rated... I mean, there was Deadpool, sure, but this is different. This is next level. This is like, oh my god, those claws just, you know, eviscerated that dude. And oh my god, the clunking claw noises as he shreds guys when they're trying to steal his car. Uh, the world building in that, the Professor X tra tragedy and shame of, uh, of what he had become, um, the inevitability of so many of the scenes in it when, when you kind of know what's coming, but it's inevitable anyway when he goes and visits that, that family. Um, the, it's just a movie so filled with important, poignant moments and then also with just devastating heartbreak, and, and yet it comes out as a triumphant, winning badass movie that makes you feel really good somehow even though it's it's very sad in in, in some ways and it, and it just it just does a fantastic job transcending a genre in a way that i don't think any superhero movie has done before um it's just it's an important movie on top of being an excellent one uh so logan is my number three very nice um all right i guess that brings it to me i guess so uh, this was a tough category. Uh, I think, really you know, was. like disappointing. You made that easy for me, but that was one of the ones I struggled with. But, but man, picking the top three was tough because there were, there were really seven movies that I loved this year and wanted to give recognition to. So I, I'll have a few honorable mentions, um, and I tried to put them in other slots. Um, but for me, number three is – this one got the slot because even though – I saw it late, and I unfortunately had some aspects of the film spoiled. It still hit hard when I did see it. Uh, and so for me, my number three film is Get Out. Um, I... It's also my number three, too. So Well, yeah. shoot. Yeah, all right. We can go, go, you go together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Get Out was... You know, when I first saw the trailer, I was pulled in. I wanted to see what was coming. I knew... If it, you know, it was one of those things where obviously Jordan Peele, as a director and writer, was coming from comedy. But if you've watched Key and Peele, he has an eye for social commentary. He was able to do a lot of really creative things on that show, so I was ready for it because I think you know it's unfair when any creator gets kind of hamstrung or uh, tied to a genre and no one's going to give him a shot. So when when I saw Get Out, I was I was ready to to see because by that point everyone loved it. It was you know the breakout hit of the year in terms of of horror. And it, it and even knowing some of the things that happen, and if you haven't seen it, I'm going to try not to spoil it even still because I think it is a movie that really deserves to be seen as purely as possible. Um, it 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 hits like a like a ton of bricks um, in a lot of its ways. It's very cleverly crafted in terms of how it sets things up early on dude, that pay off towards the end. Dude, the photos in the box that scene oh, yeah. is just just hits your it hits your brain like a ton of bricks. I was so and, you know, I was so betrayed. I felt so betrayed. Well, yeah, I mean, even even until it fully happens, you're just holding out hope that someone's not going to be awful. Um, but you know, it doesn't go that way. You find out some characters are more monstrous than you, you would even imagine. Yeah, I've expected. Yeah. Um, 
the lead performance is great, you know, from the guy who's in... Uh, 15 Million Merits. Yeah, I think it's... Oh, I forget his name. I feel bad. Daniel, I, I can't list... His last name starts with a K. Yeah, I, 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 I knew it was Daniel. I couldn't remember his last name. But he does a phenomenal job. This has... Um, Lakeith Dave is it David or Stanfield? Now I'm gonna God, I'm forgetting everybody's name. Um, but the guy who plays the the uh, black guy at the party who he flashes on and and he has like the freak out. Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he yeah, was yeah, in two yeah. movies this year and I really enjoyed him a lot. So he was great. Uh, obviously, um, man, I'm just forgetting everyone. The parents, Catherine Keener and um, Bradley Whitford. Bradley Whitford. Uh, Allison Williams. Yes. Right? Yes, mm-hmm. as as his um, girlfriend. There's just it's great performances throughout. His TSA buddy. Everyone's like going hard in this movie. It has great twists. It has great reveals. And even knowing some of the aspects, it's still able to just gut punch me in ways. Um, it was one of my favorite horror films of the year. I really loved it, and I'm I'm definitely excited to see what uh, Jordan Peele does next. Sure. Yeah. No. I just. I mean, just to add on to it. So. I mean, Get Out and Logan were competing for my number three spot here. It was so hard to pick. And that's the thing. I, I, I So I saw both of them when they came out in the same week. And it was just like this assault of like, wow, incredibly powerful genre films that left a profound impact on me. Um, Logan, I've seen four times and, you know, love every minute of it. But I'd say the reason I give it to Get Out, it was just so when I saw it in theaters, I knew how much I liked it. But then months later, I was still thinking about it. And I bought it recently, rewatched it, and it's just so well done. Everything from, you know, its exploration of subtle racism and how it does that really naturally to just making a great horror movie. And the pacing is spot on. The performances are phenomenal. The writing is just incredible. And like I said, I mean, um, it does it great because I hate horror movies that uh, it makes it, you know, there there's no reason for, uh, the character to stay where they are. It's so obvious they need to get out of there. This one did a much, I mean, it was great at building the tension. And yeah, it's like when he gets there, it's like, yeah, okay. So there are some weird things happening, but also he's dealt with this kind of subtle racism his whole life. It's nothing like super alarming yet. And so that's why it makes sense for why he's not running away right at the start. And so it does a great job building that tension. The twist at the end is phenomenal. It just is a masterful work of writing, directing, acting. Um, and like I said, you know, I know, Jordan, you're very invested in horror and have been for years. I have not um, been into the genre until the last few years or so. And now it's to the point where I'm actually, you know, working on my own horror script right now for a graphic novel. And so um, it's films like this and Hush that have really drawn me to that genre. Um, that aren't gore fest, but they are powerful social thrillers and um, they do things from a psychological standpoint that uh, just keep the viewer engaged throughout. Um, so, yeah, I was just it's one of those that, yeah, like I said, I was still thinking about months after um, rewatch recently. And so but it was a really tough call between this and Logan because I love both so much. Okay. Awesome. Um, well, I actually have to make a, a comment. Um, I, rather than talk about it later, because um, it's my it's one of my honorable mentions and it almost sure. made number three. Sure. Um, and uh, it the thing about this movie is that I when I heard about it, um, I immediately and I saw the trailer and stuff. I immediately said, "Okay, this. I really hope this isn't what it looks like. I hope this isn't um, a heavy-handed 
um, preachy movie, um, which tries to make a statement in a preachy manner. Um, I really hope it's as clever as I know Jordan Peele is. Um, and it, it, it was, and what's magical, and, and I, I was hoping it wasn't too political, not because I don't think political movies need to be made, and I think they're very important, but for me, I just don't generally like to watch them. Um, that said, this movie managed to be both. Um, it managed to both be that movie that makes very important statements about very important subjects about what people go through and how terrible that is, and also use that very use that very subject matter to the benefit of the plot, to the benefit of the storytelling, um, rather than it being like a like a like a, a separate thing moving on a parallel track. Um, it, it's just so intricately woven into everything, much like much like racism is in, intricately woven um, in, in an insidious way into, you know, our, our nation's history and, 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 and our, uh, our history as humans. Um, and so it, it, it's just it's just so masterfully crafted to really express its point, but also be a fantastically entertaining and surprising and engaging movie and never feeling heavy handed or preachy while at the same time making its case more convincingly by far than it ever would have had it been that way. Um, and so that was the thing that impressed me the most about it. Um, when you, the basement scene, which is all I'll say, the, the, the two biggest brutal scenes were the basement scene for me um, and was the, the, the postcard box or picture box. Those two scenes together, um, the picture box more on a, oh my God, I can't believe this, this just broke my heart. And then the basement scene in a, oh wow, like look at this crazy world building, look at this crazy concept that they're doing. Oh wait, he's really going for it, isn't he? Oh yeah, he's going for it. Um, and you know, when I saw all of those two different scenes, I was just like, I, I was my giddy, you know, that giddy feeling, that joy of feeling where it's just like, oh, my God, I'm seeing something really great. Oh, my God, what's going to happen? How's he going to do this? How's he going to do that? What's going to happen next? Um, it, it's just a, it's just a really well done. And, and what an assured, what an assured debut for, for a filmmaker, for a director. Um, when I actually liked the movie so much, of course, that I went and watched the special features on the disc. And what they said about it was, like, the people around him that, you know, the producers who, you know, put the money up and, and bet on this said, you know, when, when, when Peel would talk about this vision he had for this movie, it was just so crystallized and clear exactly what he was going to do, that auteur perspective. You guys know what I mean? Where, where it's just like you could tell how assured he was with this concept. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. He knew what, just what every scene wanted to be like. Like, for example, when you first see the scene where they're outside with the lawn chairs and there's a picture up on the, on the post. Like the way the camera moves in that you see the picture and then you wonder, wait, what does that actually mean? What are the implications of that? That is like all very important decisions that he made. And they actually show those in the special features and, you know, describe what he was thinking. I mean, it's just... It's it's even more. Maybe you guys have thought about all the little details, but to me, I feel like it's even more precisely crafted than I even had thought it w it was. So anyway, it was very hard to not put it in my top three. Um, it was very close. Anyway, sure. great, great, great movie. Wow, is that movie good? And one that will document our t our 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 times as well in a very important way, while also being tremendously entertaining. Sure. Well, dang, yeah, a lot of love for Get Out here. Yeah, which is great. It's a, it's a, um, it's, it's great. It's, it's just what that kind of movie should be like, and and yet it redefines. It. Anyway, I'll, I'll shut up. <laughs> well, next up, we're gonna take a look at character, uh, which brings it back to me. Uh, Kevin was gonna in that category. We ended up all talking about Get Out, so that that works out. 
Um, for me, character was a tough one. Um, there were a lot of characters I liked. Um, and really, I kind of use this as a, as a chance to spot. Well, not, not just, I don't want to, I don't want to sell short because I did love this character, but I've been trying to, I, w- I was able to use a lot of my categories to spotlight movies that might not have quite made my top three or, um, higher in my honorable mentions. Uh, but my favorite character for 2017 was, uh, Laura Akinney played by Daphne Keene in Logan. Yeah. Um, I really liked Logan. Um, a lot. It was a fantastic movie, and a lot of it comes down to just how well the movie, and a lot of this goes to performance, but the movie does a really good job of making you immediately care for and relate to and want to see the success of its young, or initially very feral character that uh, Logan takes in and is, is doing his best to protect throughout the movie. Um you know, yeah, it is a great performance. I mean, for for a, such a young actress to be able to do so much without talking, but sell the action and the intensity and, you know, the personality is great. And then when she does finally start to open up towards the end of the movie, there's a lot of heart there. And you, you just, I mean, really with all the kids that they end up finding, but you really want to see her okay and see her make it. Um, and you find out the torture she's been through. And, and there's there's so many layers to the character and it's, surprisingly deep like a lot of things in this movie I, you know there's a lot going on in logan um and you know for the character to stand so strong against the backdrop of two of the heaviest hitters in the x-men franchise when you have logan and professor x also sharing the screen uh, it's usually impressive um you know with with disney maybe buying fox it, it throws everything into what's going to happen but I, I know that i definitely still want an x-23 movie i want to see the character more and i want to see this specific version of a character that is completely different from how it is in the comics with with in terms of age and and a lot of the personality because i love x23 in the comics and in originally x-men evolution but i love this version i i want to see more of her and so for me that made it easy to pick her as my favorite character sure nice uh kevin okay well this one was easy because i mean yeah there were a lot of great characters um in 2017 but for me hands down uh, Rod in Get Out, who is the TSA guy, um, the best friend. Oh, uh, gosh. Oh, <laughs> Rod, he's so yeah, good. <laughs> so this guy, he's played by um, the comedian, what's his name, Lil Ray, some, um, I, I forget, I'm sorry, I'm, we're doing terrible on names today, but um, anyway, this is, so Rod is like the audience member in a horror movie because he's the guy screaming, saying, get out of there, like, you idiot, like, uh, and He's the one on the call um, with his friend the whole movie saying, like, and the monologue where he goes off and says, you know, sex slaves, they're going to turn you in on, and they're turning black people into sex slaves and all that. And and so I saw it with Randy, my caregiver, and we were both just dying laughing at that scene because, um, and it's, especially a movie like that that is made by a comedian, um, even though it is an intense social thriller and horror it needs extreme comic relief. And he not only provides that, but he's just a really fun character. Um, so I loved every scene with him. Um, but yeah, there was the my line about that. And then, I mean, the best moment, because at, at the end of the movie, when uh, right when you think that oh, well, the guys are going to win and uh, the cop's going to show up and she's going to like, uh, like, you know, make it look like uh, he attacked her and all that. I'm like, oh, don't end that way. And then the car pulls up and it's Rod there to save the day. And um, and then when he closes it with like, 
you know, I don't want to say I told you so, but, you know, and I was like, yes, that was perfect. So, um, yeah, Rod Williams was out of doubt. Just, I mean, I loved every scene with him. He was ridiculously entertaining. Um, so I would love to see him team up with Jordan Peele again. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, Rich? Um, so my, this ended up being uh, an extension of best actor category because there were two best actors that I wanted to hand out. Um, and really it's hard to distinguish. Um, so, it, and I understand character is more of like the way the character is written and, and, and performed as opposed to just the, an outstanding performance um, and just how much you liked it versus quality maybe. Um, for me though, uh, Logan um, is, is the best character. I thought that um, as far as, you know, it, it so easily could have been just this completely jaded train wreck character who's just like, fuck this, fuck that, fuck it all, I'm done, I've seen all my friends die, that's that. Um, but it was imbued with warmth from the performance and also just depth from the writing. Um, I, you know, and I gushed about Logan a, a lot already. I, I'm just going to say that I, I just think that, I mean, Hugh Jackman's performance is, is, is you know, it's maybe career best. Um, and for that to be in a superhero movie is amazing. And I think that part goes to the outstanding writing and, and just the way that that movie supports his character. I mean, it really is a character piece in a lot of ways. Um, so that's why I pick uh, Logan from Logan. Best character. Very nice. What do we got next, bud? Next up, uh, characters are great, but you need great actors and actresses to play those characters. Nice. Uh, so we're going to take a look at our favorite actor of the year. Kevin, why don't you start us off? Okay, so this is one I know I haven't talked about on the podcast yet. I don't think you guys even know I saw it, but um, a few, a couple months ago, um, I saw this little indie film with my dad because my dad, who's a UPS driver, uh, delivers to an indie theater on his route. Is it, and, call, is, uh, it is it Call Me By Your Name? No, uh, but, um, it was it, uh, it. We the the manager of this theater just gave us free passes, and so my dad was on vacation, so we went and out and saw this. And this was the only movie playing at the time. It's not the kind of one that um, you know, like he and I would see in our normal. But it's pretty depressing film, but what a performance um, in it. But this is uh, Willem Dafoe in the Florida Project gives quite possibly the best performance of his career. Um, so what is this movie? The Florida Project. It's a very, it's a pretty depressing movie about. Um, it takes place at this, a uh, very rundown motel right outside Disney World, where it, because the idea behind it is to show like this whole other side. You know, when people think Florida right. and it's Disney a World, all that, they think it's a facade, right? Glamour and all that. But there's these people who are living on welfare, uh, right outside Disney World, and so they're at this terribly rundown motel um and it's about these kids there and um specifically this one girl and she has a very abusive mom who's drug you know a drug drug user and everything um but willem dafoe plays the manager of the motel and you know while it is a motel he allows certain families to live there because he knows that they have nowhere else to go um and so um he plays this character who you know, is quite jaded and, you know, he has to live in basically this nightmare every day and um, see, you know, the horror that these kids have to go through. And like I said, it's not a, it's a very depressing film, but um, I, his, he gives an incredible performance playing a character that is very likable 
in a movie full of unlikable characters because um, you just or just hate the mom so much. And um, I mean, she doesn't like beat her kids or anything like that, but she's, you know, I mean, Men- uh, mentally it, very abusive, mentally unstable, drug user, everything, you know, and um, the only reason, you know, he lets her and her kids stay there is because he knows he can't leave that kid on the streets. And so um, he allows, you know, the family to stay there, but has conflicts without with the mother throughout the movie. Um, but he just gives an incredibly nuanced performance that, again, he, he plays someone who's very likable in a movie that is full of unlikable characters and is full of grim, depressing situations. Um, and there are just some great moments, his physicality, his facial expressions. You know, he's got a very unique look to him. He's a very funny looking man, but um, can do amazing things with his facial expressions and his eyes. And you know, there are several scenes where he has to really get intense and um, into arguments with the mother. And um, yeah, so I loved every minute of his performance. And, you know, I, I was glad he got a nomination for Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars. But, um, but yeah, so it was, you know, definitely, I don't know, it's a movie, I, it's very well done. I don't know if it's the one I can say recommend you're going to enjoy it, but <laughs> it was interesting to see. Um, and it does shed a light on something that you really don't think about, that there's this whole other side of people living right outside one of the most luxurious luxurious places in the world. Um, and so I think Willem Dafoe really helped make that movie what it is. Nice. Yeah, closet call to say the least. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, surprise on that one. Yeah. I haven't even heard of it, but uh, worth checking out, it sounds like. I think I, <laughs> yeah, re- I, yeah, think I right? read the title once in some article one time. Right. Maybe the Oscar noms. <clears throat> it's interesting, so... But Hugh Jackman, right. of course, was also up there, too. There was. <laughs> right, right, right. Rich, you are up next. Okay. Um, so, I chose um, an interesting one. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I just, it, it was a movie that I had to, uh, it had to get some, some love and, and, and uh, that isn't even the reason why I give uh, this person the uh, nod for best actor. Um, actually, it's because it's such a um, I, you know, when you play a character, let's put it this way, when you play a character who has been created before extra- very effectively, or at least iconically, it's very, very difficult to play that character in a new way that doesn't feel like a copy and that can add new things to it, or even, you know, God forbid, or hopefully transcend what was originally done with the character. Um, and that for me was Bill Sarsgaard as it slash Pennywise the Dancing Clown. Nice. Um, okay. I think that his performance in that, uh, I I'm not um, unlike you for your whole life, Jordan, and 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 you, uh, Kevin. You said for the last couple of years, um, are fans of horror. I'm not. Um, I generally mm-hmm. don't like horror movies. Um, not a big fan. Um, I don't. I just don't. The, you know that little X factor that gets you excited about things. It just doesn't tickle me that way for some reason. You've had a horror doesn't. comic love. I, yeah. I thought. Yeah. No, there are some. There are some, especially when they're horror murder mysteries. But um, so <laughs> so that 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 is the kind of horror that I like. Is if there's like a murder mystery involved, but just a straight up horror. Now that is different when it's based on a beloved novel um or some really great source material or something like that where i feel like it's more of a character study and the horror just adds to it and i understand that a lot of the great horror movies are that um i'm not belittling the genre in general Uh, i just mean that unless it's a great film and a horror film as opposed to i can't just enjoy you know a a popcorn horror movie that much personally although we did try to enjoy happy death day didn't we uh kevin 
Yeah. <laughs> I still thought it I mean, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. It was a yeah. dumb, fun movie. It, it, it could yeah. have been better, I, I thought. But yeah. anyway, but anyway um, this performance haunted me. It was actually truly horrifyingly scary to me. Especially, you don't even need to see the rest of the movie. Just watch that one clip where he's just like, Hi, Georgie. Hi, Georgie. What you got there? Is that a boat? That scene, to me, the way that he imbued every word he said with menace, but also like a happy sheen on top of it, um, even without showing his horribly gnarly scary teeth, I felt the teeth in every word that he said. Um, and when things start going not so well for him, and you can see kind of behind his eyes, amazingly, that like he sees his plan kind of falling apart, or when he's trying to scare somebody and you can see almost the want, the desire to get what he wants in his eyes. Um, I also know that that character, like, spent, a, I mean, that actor spent a ton of time, Sarsgaard spent a ton of time crafting and perfecting that character in front of the mirror and trying to get it just right. And I think he nailed it. It's, it's definitely the best version of Pennywise there has been. Um, I just think it's, it's just an absolute spot on perfect, perfect, perfect um, role in, in, in an otherwise good to, to great movie it's a great it's a, it's good to, to great i think I, I really liked it um but i think what i really 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 liked was pennywise in that movie i think he just made that movie transcend its its own qualities so anyway sure no i awesome. absolutely loved you know it was one of the best character actors and performances in a genre movie like that i've seen in years yeah it, it was fantastic so yeah do you cool. like? Do you like? Did you like him in that, uh, Jordan? I know you didn't. No, like the I movie. thought it was a very good performance. I didn't find it to be the scariest, or you know, I, I think it was overhyped as heck. But I see a lot more horror, so. But I, I think he did a fantastic job in the role. I'm excited <laughs> for it, Chapter Two. Yeah, where where it starts. Yeah, my understanding about Chapter Two is it's going to delve much more into the the elements of the book, um, you know, taking place in the place where where it is from. Um, and, and, and that sort of other world and, and really diving into the, you know, the supernatural surreal element. So that'll be an interesting journey to take, uh, with those film, with those, uh, character, those actors and, and filmmakers. Awesome. Uh, does that leave me for actor, right? It does. Yes. It does. All right. I'm interested. All right. Um, when we get to actress, I had a lot more contention for that one. For actor though, um, this one was, uh, pretty easy actually um and so for me this was a movie that came out early in the year and i'm a sucker for it it's the sort of thing that i like and and you know when it's done well it shows a lot of range it shows a lot of acting capability um it's why tatiana maslany gets so much love for orphan black um but my best actor was james mcavoy for playing kevin and mm, others uh, mm. in spec Okay. Um, Very. That's that was one of the movies that when I saw that it was this year, I was blown away. I was sure that was last year. I was sure. It, felt it was like very so early. Long ago. It felt it was like, like so the long second ago. or third weekend of the year. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I really loved Split. Um. It was a really solid, fun, exciting thriller. Um. That you know leaned into the horror genre. Um. In a lot of ways, it was. You know, if if the visit hadn't already come out, it probably would have been my most surprising movie. But I think uh, Shyamalan's shown he can make good movies when he is restrained um, and keeps it simple. <laughs> um, which I'm not saying is a knock. I just think he, yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah, he has you know, his niche and it works. 
Yeah, when he stays, you know, in isolated locations with small character-based stuff, he does really good work. And also um, when, think... when he's adapting uh, things like The Last Airbender, that was a real uh, triumph, too, you know? Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the uh, yeah, exact opposite of what he, he should be doing. But, no, the visit was great. Split was great. Um, I... And James McAvoy was a big part of that. He did a lot. He played, you know, they, they, it's, it makes the note that Kevin has 23 personalities, um, but, you know, we don't see that many of them. And, and even a lot of the ones we do see are very brief, but he imbues them with a lot of personality in those brief moments. But he does majoritively play five or six personalities, I forget the exact count, in different scenes and playing against different characters. And, you know, he, he goes all in. He gives a lot of energy to the performances um and this i he 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 carries the movie in a lot of ways so does anya taylor joy who basically plays his oh, main yeah. foil she does a great job oh, in the she's movie excellent well. yeah um but just um when i was thinking back on performances for actors this year he jumped immediately to my mind and it was just uh yeah it was clear because he he makes each of the characters feel distinct he makes it clear when they've switched he makes it clear when you know, it's easy to read when one is playing as another, and it there's a lot of subtlety to the performance. Mm. I'm excited to see what he does in Glass next year, if he's going to keep the split personality thing, or if he's, like, fully the beast at that point, because it ends up being this weird pseudo-sequel to uh, Unbreakable, which wasn't my favorite thing. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I like the characters that were in this movie. I'm excited to see them again in Glass next year. And, uh, yeah, I thought James McAvoy was, was phenomenal in Split. He is definitely good in that role. Pseudo-sequels are um, kind of rough. Uh, another one like that was 10 Cloverfield Lane, where it was just, like, a really great movie, and then, boom, the ending has Cloverfield in it. Or this one, where it was, like, pretty great movie, and then, oh, boom, it's this it's leading into this new superhero saga. Or, or... So many people loved that, and I get it because people love Unbreakable. I don't have the I, font. I mean, I do. I did like Unbreakable. But it's not like I've been waiting with bated breath for 16 years mm -hmm. for the sequel to Unbreakable. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. I was like, eh. But it stands on its own perfectly fine, honestly. Even if you've never seen Unbreakable, obviously. So usually, I like I'm on the camp where I would have liked it to stand it on its own, but I am one of those people who I drop my mouth with that twist at the end and. I like I said. I mean, Unbreakable is one of my favorites by, uh, well, definitely by Shyamalan, which isn't hard, but um, but I really love that movie, and so I was really impressed by that twist. I thought it was really clever, but I get why that would be kind of like, really, was that necessary for you? But yeah. you know, got it. Uh, I wish I, I liked. Know. I wish I liked Split more. While I was watching it, I was having a really good time and enjoying it, but afterwards, I just it it, it made no impact on me. I wish it had. I, I think it's maybe better than than my mind gave it credit for. That happens. I mean, you know, not every movie's going to work for you the same way. Mm, indeed. Uh, indeed. Word. What's next? All right, well, uh, now we go from actor to actress. Rich, who right. was your favorite actress of 2017? So this one, much like your actor, was incredibly easy for me. Um, and uh, it was all about the most luminous, uh, uh, joyful, powerful, beautiful, exquisite performance of the year. Uh, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Um, she shines in this role. She has a luminous, luminous quality. Um, I just, I, I mean, that movie would have not worked half or a third as well if Gal Gadot didn't play Wonder Woman. Her wide-eyed sense of wonder, but also she learns fast. So it, she both plays somebody who's naive and a babe in the woods, 
but also somebody who is incredibly smart and strong and powerful um and 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 just she just she's the ultimate because she shows you how Wonder Woman could be this beacon of hope for everybody by by just being so luminous. I it, it's it, it, I'll tell you this: whenever she was on screen, my eyes were locked onto her at every moment. She's like a textbook definition of an actress in the old Hollywood way, where when they're on the screen, they light up the screen to such an extent that you can't take your eyes off of them. And I don't just mean because she's beautiful. She is. There's, I mean, no, of course. Um, but also the performance that she gives is just, I, I'm hanging on every word. I, I believe every bit of it. I have no trouble believing that she's this Amazonian warrior, which is a big ask, <laughs> you know, um, for you to believe that. And also the way that she interacts with the other characters, the interplay, um, I just think she's fantastic in that. She's also one of the better things about Justice League. Um, so, uh, you know, definitely, definitely, definitely um, my uh, my best actress by a long shot uh, for 2017. Very nice. Oh, this was oh, this was <laughs> this is such a hard. This might have been my hardest category, honestly. Okay. All right. Uh, because there were a lot of great performances this Pick year. A couple honorables. That's cool, right? Uh, no, I'm going to. Uh, the The first one I wanted to mention was Sally Hawkins in The yeah. Shape of Water. Uh-huh. She does a phenomenal job. She surely uh, commits to that role, man. Commits that role, does a lot of really good work there. Um, but it was a, it was a. Ask me a different day, and I I might give you a different answer for my for the top. And it was between two actresses, who both gave just just phenomenal performances uh the the runner-up is carla gacino in gerald's game um oh, obviously wow. she has to carry a lot of that movie just alone or playing against herself because she she has to like play her own delusion as well um uh and bruce greenwood also was really good in that and, and was a runner-up for a best actor um but the actress i ended up giving it to is someone uh something that i like to see that i love to see honestly is when a typecast actor or actress finally gets to show that no, they have a lot more range than they've been given credit for because yes, they're very good at playing this specific style and they get asked to play that style a lot. And, you know, usually they, and a lot of actors for a lot of people, it does end up being that, Oh, maybe they don't have that much range. I, I wonder that a lot about uh, Christoph Waltz because as much as I love him, yeah. he does t sort of hit the same notes a lot. Um, and I haven't seen all of his and movies. Boy, does he hit that nail hard, <laughs> you know, yeah, but it is a um, single nail so far. But uh, this is a favorite actress of mine who, I, both on TV and in film this year, got to show a lot of range. Um, I know Kevin will be able to speak to the, the TV side of things when I say it. Uh, but for me, the best actress of the year was Aubrey Plaza for Ingrid Goes West. Nice. Uh, oh, wow. This was a movie I was I was very interested in as soon as I saw the trailer. I didn't end up seeing it till recently, but it's it's not the greatest movie. I think it, it gets a little messy, um, but Aubrey Plaza is just phenomenal in the lead role. She has to play a character with an intense um, sort of psychosis and mental issues, and she has to like ping pong between how she is when she's performative, when she's on her own and self-destructive and all of her behaviors. I mean, she, she essentially plays a woman with no real uh human connections who uh the movie's kind of all about social media and that and someone comments on a post of hers or likes her comment or whatever and so she 
after the death of her mother, takes her inheritance, moves across country to stalk and try to befriend this person. Um, it's kind of like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend if it was just deadly serious and very hard to watch. Uh, it's, it's a pretty hard to watch film with a lot of the stuff that happens and the things that she does. But it is a completely um, left out there performance. She lets herself completely into the role, does crazy things, looks, uh, you know, uh, manic and, and insane throughout all of it. And I just as much as as the movie may not have worked fully her performance was fantastic. She's the biggest reason I want to finally get back to Legion because I know she has a huge role as that goes on. Yeah. Um, but uh, just on the acting side of things, I think Ingrid Goes West, uh, it's a small indie movie. It's on Hulu. I would even say check it out. Uh, it has a lot of good parts to it. Another good one is O'Shea Jackson Jr., who was in um, the NWA movie, Straight Outta Compton. He's hilarious in this. Um, it makes me really want to see more of him. But uh, it was Aubrey Plaza's movie. She really uh, crushed it and delivered a great performance. It says here that it's a dark comedy psychological thriller. Um, is it funny? Oh, yeah. It's got some really funny stuff in it. Um, okay. But it's also very dark. <laughs> is it hard <laughs> to especially... watch, like, unpleasant? or? It's not. It's um, It's the sort of stuff where I was definitely cringing through some of the uh. scenes because the stuff she was doing was so horrible. Um and and but but that is the character that is the movie but when it is funny it's really funny have you seen um, that episode nosedive of black mirror the one uh, about not the wedding crashing okay all right never mind um but yeah no uh Aubrey plaza ingrid goes west was phenomenal awesome i i may have to check that out you said hulu eh yep cool uh who's next it's me all right Hi. kevin hit us okay with your actress. so uh, for best actor so First off, let me go ahead and say my top runner-up because I thought this uh, actress would would have this category um, until yesterday because we'll still talk about it in a minute. But um, Holly Hunter in The Big Sick was absolutely phenomenal. Oh yeah, uh, one of the best parts of that movie and plays just um, a wonderful. The, you know, plays the mother of um, the character Emily Gordon um, and does just is just dynamic. Has wonderful screen presence, wonderful chemistry with all of the other actors and um, is just the kind of mother that, you know, won't, will do anything for her daughter and um, forceful, but also very, you know, motherly and caring. And um, so I, you know, I, I thought she was going to get this, but then yesterday I saw three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Ah, okay. uh, <laughs> and so, and I came out of that and I, I mean, there's no question. I cannot give this, I cannot not give this category to Francis McDormand. Um, for that um so just a little bit about the movie uh basically it's about this woman whose daughter was raped and murdered um prior to the start of the movie um happened months months prior and there's still been no arrests and she feels that the police in the town aren't doing enough and so she rents out three billboards right outside um the city limits and the message on them reads uh what raped while dying um still no arrests or how come chief willoughby and so she basically just like ignites this war with the police there um and what's in i think the most interesting thing about the movie is that she's pretty static her character there's not i mean i don't want to give anything away but it's just like um you find out that it's more the as far as like who develops the most it's more the story of sam rockwell's character who plays um, this terrible cop at the beginning 
And then you see an interesting arc play out for his character, Jason Dixon. Um, but Frances McDormand plays uh, this woman uh, named, what is her name? Um, Mildred Hayes is the name. Okay, so um, yeah, she is just brutal, blunt, relentless, um, will fight you know the police force to no end. And even when everyone in the town hates her, she will not back down. Um, she, I mean, you know, kind of like Jordan, kind of like what you were just talking about thing here go with West in terms of like, oh, some of the stuff is so horrible. You were definitely going to cringe. But, yeah. um, you know, if you I mean, if you've seen the trailers, you can kind of get a feel for what the movie's going to be like. It's very it's from the director of Seven Psychopaths. Um, and that's that the thing, a lot good. Of, I've not seen it, actually. I've heard I've really always wanted to. Right. Yeah, me I want too. to as well, but I've not seen it yet. Um, but it so it's got a lot of black humor in it i mean and some moments that are just genuinely just funny you know like not like horrible but just funny and then you know I, again i don't want to spoil anything but there are just some lines of dialogue every character has to deliver that is just like oh wow that i mean and that was pretty much the reaction from a lot of the audience members um but that said it's still a really engrossing movie it keeps your attention throughout um and a lot of that does have to do with the performances Francis McDormand is without a doubt phenomenal. Um, Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell. Um, so it's just one of those that you have to see to really experience and to know what it's like. And um, it's very hard hitting and it's got a lot of different things to it. But um, was it an entertaining I, watch? Yeah, it really was because there's a lot of you really don't know where the story is going to go. Um, there's some interesting twists and some interesting angles it takes. Um, and, and that's the thing. And while there are some um, things that, yeah, harness back to the real world. It's still meant to be this very kind of like Aaron Sorkin, Shakespearean feel to it, where it's not really meant to be the, like the, super realistic because, I mean, with like her and her family, everything that could dis- be dysfunctional about them is, you know, and they're all the wait, characters. Wait, wait, wait. Is, like this, is this based on a true story or no? No, no. Uh, oh. Oh, um, wow. I mean, it may be like, some way influenced by that. Oh, you know, I didn't I mean, realize that. Okay. No, it's a it's an original screenplay, and um, you know, I I'd be interested in learning from the writer director kind of what inspired him to make sure, it. Sure, sure. But he make but like this Seven Psychopaths, he makes these kind of like kind of really out there um dark comedies and dramas, and this one really, I mean, it's a very nice fusion of um dark comedy drama, um mystery. There's a lot of things going on here, but oh, it's absolutely it's one of those once you get started, you can't turn off. Oh, because I gotta watch it. Even though like there are moments, there's a lot that's really hard to take in, and there's some really disturbing things, and just again, so because a lot of the characters are just so horrible, but um, and some of the things that happen are just so shocking. But it does it never lost my interest at any time. Oh, I gotta uh, check it out. And, did you go to the theater? Yes, I did. It was at it's playing at Crossroads right now. Oh, okay. Cool. Um. So yeah, I saw it yesterday. Um, but yeah, I would highly recommend it, but without a doubt, I mean, yeah, you think Francis McDormand is tough in Fargo, wait till you see her here. That's awesome. all I gotta say. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Nice pick. Yeah. Coolio. All right. Where does that take us? Uh, next up <clears throat> is our made up category. All right. Uh, so this one, I guess will be on me. Sure. Okay. Um, I initially had a category that was just throwing shade, but I decided not to go with that. Okay. <laughs> um, so I went with uh, best moment of the year in film. Uh, Did you me. really? Yes. That's mine. 
Oh, you did best moment? Yes! Uh, Alright, I guess I'll go back to the uh, shade-throwing category then, just okay. for variety's sake. Okay, right. I guess force my hand on this one. Um, right. Shade, throw it. I went with best movie I never want to see again. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Uh, so this is a movie where I can admit there was a lot good to it. Um, there was a lot of uh, artistry and good stuff in it and all of that, but I never want to sit through it again. <laughs> um, okay. My best movie I never want to see again is Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> ah, okay. Uh, I did finally see this, and um, there's a lot of good... There are a lot of good scenes, good performances. It's visually stunning. Um, but I just, I, it's so long and so languid. And I just, I can't imagine taking another two hours and 50 minutes of my life Did you to see the watch theater? this movie again. No, no, I watched it uh, at home release. Okay. Um, it, it is, it is a good movie. I can't deny that at all. I just, I, it, there was a lot in it where I was just exhausted by it and how, um, it it almost felt a little self-congratulatory with how slow-paced it was, uh, which was a bummer, but it, it is very good. I can't deny that it's a great film, that it uh, did a lot of really interesting things. I just never want to see it. I never want to see it again. Understood. Uh, I don't know if you guys would have anything like that, but, uh, you know, you, you're welcome to throw in there. Um, uh, go ahead. I would say Florida, Florida Project for mine, because, um, as I said, talking about Willem Dafoe's performance, it has... You know, incredible performances, and it's a really interesting look um, at this side of life, and it has a really interesting message to it, but it is way too depressing for me to ever watch again. Fair enough. Uh, I would probably give it to The Big Sick. Um, that is a movie... Really? That, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's not to say that... That's not to say that it's miserable in any way, so this is slightly different than his category. This isn't like it was painful to watch, so I don't want to endure it again. It's just that I've seen it. It was phenomenal. And I think I'm about done with it. Uh, I saw all that it has to offer, and I just don't see myself maybe watching it again. Maybe one day, but maybe not. Um, Interesting. I think yeah. that's fair. Yeah. I had I, – I honestly – I put a lot of um, my favorite horror movies in this category sometimes too where it's like I know I loved it the first time or comedies even. Um, yeah. You know, just because I – you know, what's the impact going to be the second time around? So I, I understand that. Yeah, and also once you kind of know what it is and, 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 you know, I don't know. I mean, I there is comedy in that movie, a lot of it, and so I think I could maybe enjoy it. Like if it was on and I was just there, I, I could deal with it more than I could deal with some movies that I'd have to watch a second time would just be torture, but – um, in this case, uh, in this case, I just don't, I just don't think I would ever like choose to pop it back on. Interesting. Cause I saw that, that's one of my honorable mentions and I saw it twice within like a week or two of each other really? in theaters. Yeah. I loved it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I'll talk uh, about it later, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, what's your made up category? Made up category. All right. So I went with favorite action scene, um, which was tough because there were some really good ones this year. Um, and for that, I picked uh, the John Wick and versus Common fight in John Wick 2. Uh, and so the first, I know there are a couple, but I picked the one where the first one when they're fighting and it ends with them at the Continental and they have to stop and um, because there are no, you know, no bloodshed on the Continental. And But uh, what I loved about that scene and their fight later is that in the first John Wick movie, as much as I loved it, he doesn't really get an antagonist worthy of his skills because he literally just takes out everyone in the first movie pretty effortlessly. Whereas here, Common puts up an amazing fight 
and it's so well choreographed and it's so intense and just like wonderful to watch um and so yeah that was a visceral uh heartbounding and um also with some humor in it um but you know and there were others too like you know the uh big climax in baby driver pretty much any of the fights in logan i mean there were a lot but that would still be my favorite action scene of 2017 awesome okay um, if you guys have any yeah, of those i do um i like um I yeah this I I'd say two one doesn't really count but I'm gonna say it anyway, sure. um the escape and get out. Oh yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that's great. Yeah. That is awesome. I wouldn't go so far as to fully call that an action scene, but it kind of is the escape yeah, and, no. and all the different killing that has to happen to get out. Yeah. Um and then you know the moments of oh no I can't do it I can't do it and then like it, the decision gets made for you is a lot of tension in that in really good way. Um sure. my my pick though as mentioned before for sure, um would be. Uh, Logan, either the first scene because of just the impact it had on me. You know, later on in the movie, yeah. I was a little more desensitized, but at the beginning when those schnicked start happening, um, yeah. I was just like, "Oh my god, this is this is R-rated superhero movie right here." Um, and yeah. then also later on, um, at the, the final scene in the woods, I would say is also up there. Yes, um, with yeah. with great action scenes, uh, I just I just absolutely loved it. Um, and then my actual, my favorite action scene of the year is actually my category. So I'll talk about that. It's not, that's not my category, but my category's best moment. And that scene is that. So, okay, cool. Awesome. Okay. So now we do best moment then? No, Jordan uh, well, does I, action scene. Yeah, I got my, yeah, I got to get my action scene. Yeah, 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 sure. Go ahead. Um, you know, this, this is tricky. There was a, there were a lot of good action scenes and sometimes from bad movies. I almost want to highlight good stuff in bad movies here. Um, uh, because I, I, I'll mention this one because it was also a contender for best moment, but I'm going to give it to the other moment. Uh, No Man's Land from Wonder Woman was a great action scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, everything about that, just from, from the choreography of it to the, yeah, just the power inspiration of it. Um, the music, too. I I also, yeah, the music as well. Speaking of music, Baby Driver's opening chase scene. Yeah. I really like that a lot. I think it sets the the tone really well. I'd even go so far as to call his walk to get coffee an action scene, just the way it's choreographed. Oh, it's brilliant. I mean, yeah. Uh, Done. So Baby Driver had a lot of great action. I'm going to give some love to a movie I didn't like, and this scene doesn't belong in this movie at all. Okay. But it was a great scene. Uh, the chase scene from Death Note. <laughs> okay. I, I thought that was a great kinetic flowing action scene that had no business being in that movie. But it was it was great to watch it. But I remember even thinking as I watch it, man, this is really good. Shouldn't be in a Death Note movie. This is bizarre. But it, it did stand out for how strong a moment it was. And that it, given given how unhappy I was at that point in the movie, that it that it made such a good impression to me, I feel like it deserves at least a little bit of a nod for you know since this is a made up category, why not? Word. Okay. Uh, so best moment, right? Yeah. All right. So my best. I, was that it? I'm sorry. I mean to cut you off. No, no, that was it. That was okay, it, yeah. cool. Um, so this is a movie that easily um, is on my honorable mentions list um, and, and you know, was very close to cracking the top three, but a couple movies were in that category. Um, this is a movie that uh, – so we went to see, uh, you know, that whole debacle uh, where Kevin and I went to see um, uh, Valerian and then we ended up seeing Dark Tower – um, and then another movie that we were looking for what we were going to see that day, right? And another movie that I saw uh, on the placard was Wind River. 
um, and I had heard really good things about it. And you know me being a murder mystery guy. This is a murder mystery. Uh, it's, they call it a, a, a neo-Western murder mystery, and it takes place um, in, out in uh, the Wind River Indian Reservation in Wyoming. Um, and uh, the, the idea of this movie is that Jeremy Renner um, is uh, a hunter of predators. Um, so it's a very unique detective concept. So he hunts, like, wolves and lions and different things out in this Wyoming wilderness only when they attack humans. So only if they're literally a violent threat who has hurt or killed a human. He's from U.S. Fish and Wildlife, and he goes out and he hunts them, and he's really cool about it. He hunts them using their tracks and, you know, sniffing the wind and all those cool, like, hunter-tracker mentality skills, and it's super badass. So he does that. Well, a horrible murder happens. Um, a girl runs and runs and runs and then just collapses after, you know, a terrible sexual assault and is just left on the ground to die um, and really, you know, injured. And um, he and then an FBI agent that she happened to be closest because she was in Vegas. Um, she comes in um, to investigate and she's completely out of her element. She doesn't know how to deal with the, you know, negative 25 degree weather. She doesn't have the clothes she needs. She doesn't have the skills she needs. And then she meets Jeremy Renner's character. She's played by Elizabeth Olsen. I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, and, um, and uh, he, you know, she, she says, what do you, what exactly do you do? He goes, I hunt predators. And she says, why don't you come help hunt a predator with me? <laughs> a little heavy handed, um, but really, really powerful and, and great. Um, so anyway, the two of them go on this quest in the wilderness to try to find out who was responsible for this girl's death. Um, and they explore this Wyoming wilderness. And when you, and you just get to meet all the different crazy characters that live out there. Well, anyway, needless to say, eventually um, there's a climax. And this and I'm not going to tell any of the details of it because you guys need to see it and everybody listening to this needs to see it. This is a fantastic movie. But what makes the movie is that the whole film is very, it's got a quietness to it, a solitude um, where you're, you're, in the, you're in the snow and, and it's quiet and you can't hear anything, punctuated by moments of tremendous aggressive violence. Um, the, uh, the, the predators, the different animal predators killing creatures and and all of a sudden you'll see this beautiful snow um this stark snow and then all of a sudden blood on it and it's just a very impactful thing so this movie's all about setting up you know sort of slow languid movement and then all of a sudden bam it's just a tremendous impact um and there's a couple moments like that but the one that is the climax of the film is one of the most brutal bloody incredibly surprising reveal slash action scenes um, that I've ever seen. Uh, it is so good, and I was just like, oh my god, I can't, did I just see that? Did that just happen? It was that kind of moment. Um, it's fantastic, and I don't want to go into too much detail except just to say that, um, you know, you it's one of those shots where it's very well interspersed, like, um, like where you'll, you know, movies that do that thing where you see flashbacks, like you see the, you see the modern day, and then you see a flashback to kind of what happened during the murder, and so, like, you start to realize that characters in the murder are maybe in the modern day scene. You guys know what I'm talking about? And it's like, it, it flashes between the two, so you'll have a flashback, and it's like, oh my god, that might be the killer, but she's standing there with that guy right now in the in the present, you know? Um, yeah. Th that kind of thing. That's not exactly it, but it's that kind of I idea. And when, when it starts to dawn on you what really happened and the true horror of the crime, um, it it's just, it's so well done. It's beautifully directed and beautifully written and beautifully executed. Um, definitely by my best moment of 2017. Um, and it really makes the movie. Oh. Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> what do you no, guys... this is, yeah, yeah no, this I... is... 
Well, well, well I, just... I, I had forgotten about Wind River, but it's still, it's definitely on my wish I had seen list, and I am going to check it out soon. Oh, but, dude. Um, it, yeah. yeah, it's one for me as well. I was honestly, it, it was a movie where I was like, whew, that sounds like a time, and I would have to be in a... <laughs> In the right yeah. mood, kind of like you and and um, what was you said one earlier, where you wanted to be in the right state of mind for it. Um, I forget already. Sorry. Yeah, fair enough. No, but but it's kind of like that because it seems like it's going to be a very intense, very very heavy film. Oh, maybe Ebbing's. Maybe it might have been that. Anyway. Yeah, it might have been. Anyway, uh, me for for my for my uh, best moment, uh, I went with like I said, No Man's Land was in con- contention. But I kind of saw it coming, and what I loved about this one was that it was just out of nowhere a pure moment of filmic beauty that just took my breath away. Uh, the Lightspeed Attack from The Last Jedi. Okay. Uh, nice. It, I, I mean, it, it's even hard to describe, but just the way the sound drops and the 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 sudden shift in in visual language and context and the look of it and and the the slow return to reality that it that it sets up when when the action like finally like explodes out of it again I, it was <laughs> it was something special it it, it, it great it was it was honestly when i thought of great moments from the year that was just the one that that stood out for me so the, the light speed attack that's an awesome okay. pick also because everything that it's that's that sets it up means that not only is it beautifully shot and beautifully executed in the moment but it also has tremendous emotional impact because of what you know about that character and what the value that that act is going to have. It's it's really great. Yeah. Sure. Kevin? Well, yeah. So my best moment is also a Last Jedi moment. Um, but yeah, this is one that, like, I mean, almost brought me to tears. It hit every note for me. It's one of the best moments in the entire saga. Um, but Luke's death scene on the mountaintop there on Octae when he's looking at um, the suns and it is a perfect mirror to the iconic twin suns image from new hope, which is where he started off. Now this is how it ends. Oh, it was so brilliant. And regardless of all the like, well, why didn't he just go fight Kylo himself instead of doing this elaborate, you know, force ghost thing one, cause it's awesome. But two, it just, it allowed Ryan Johnson to do this really awesome moment here and tie it back to a moment from the original trilogy where he's about to embark on his journey and a journey that we've been on for years and years. And this is the end of it. And he's, it's a perfect reflection on that. And, you know, here he's looking out into the skies saying, cause back in, in new hope, he's ready for an adventure and he's ready to find out who he is here in this moment he has, and he's satisfied and he knows that he's done his job and now he's going to become one with the force. Oh, it hit every moment for me. It is, Perfectly executed. Um, cinematography is beautiful. Um, everything about that moment. I mean, there are you know, a lot of great uh, scenes and images from Last Jedi, but this is without a doubt the best and my favorite movie moment of the year. Awesome. Uh, that Yeah, wow. That's nice, nicely put. Yeah. Well, made up. Always fun. We always come up with some interesting stuff. It's true. I love that category. It's something great we do. All right. All right. Uh, well, now though, uh, back on me, and we're going to our number two film of the year. Um, I gotta say, this one I was surprised by my own pick on this movie, just because when I was making the list, I was trying so many ways. Like I said, honorable mentions. There were a lot of them, and a lot of movies that I really loved. 
But and I was trying to go like I was going all right. But which one do I have the most fun at? Which one stuck with me the most? Which one, if I if I line them all up, which one do I like more than the others? And and I was doing like that that crosshatch thing where it was like all right, what if I put this one against this one? Who would win? Um, but none of it really got down to the fact that I just really loved this movie, and I'm still surprised by how much it stuck with me. Um, my number two film of the year is Coco. Coco okay. is amazing. Uh, all right. Oh, good. Okay. I need to see that. I, I was <laughs> really surprised with just how, you know, A, visually gorgeous it was. I mean, obviously animation is always getting better, and Pixar really knocked it out of the park with how good Coco looks. Um, but I I love the music. Um, it managed to make, like, four different versions of one song that were all great. Um, and then it had other songs along the way that were a lot of fun. It had a great score, um and was able to in- involve a bunch of different, uh, you know, traditional styles as well as like this great club beat at one point of the movie that was really good. Um, and just the story. I loved the characters um, from the main kid to his extended family in the real world to his extended family in the uh, other world uh, to the film's villains to the side characters. It just was such a rich, lovely film. And you know, even even with there were aspects of the movie where I was like, even for a kid's movie, it was a little predictable in some ways. But ultimately, I didn't care because the emotions worked. It did a really good job of selling all of the different relationships and how they developed and how they were repaired or how they were able to reconnect. And, you know, he was able to, you know, work on chasing his dream of being a musician. It's just such a, a beautiful movie. I... It's it really even as I was leaving the theater, I was like, this might be one of, if not my favorite Pixar movie. And it's always hard because Pixar's made so many great movies, but it's definitely up there. Uh, it's it was my favorite animated movie I saw this year. Uh, Coco was just phenomenal. Awesome, I'll have to see. Oh, that. I was like, I mean, I was brought to tears at the end. It was so good. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, it's definitely my top three Pixar movies. I was, I mean, I was again. It's so frustrating that I had so many movies this year. I loved that. I couldn't make it into my. It couldn't make it in my top three year honorable mentions. But regardless, I loved every minute of it. No, like I said, I was surprised, but I, I really just comparing it to everything I saw this year. I was like, man, I can't wait for that Blu-ray to come out so I can watch yeah. it again. And sure. you know, I think that's a mark of a great movie that I just, I want to own it as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. All right, uh, Kevin next, right? Cool. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, this is the big one, but and again, this was so frustrating trying to pick like the top two and they were bouncing back and forth, but, um, you know, but also I haven't really gotten a chance on the podcast to talk about my number one yet. So, um, but last Jedi, you know, I mean, was fighting back and forth with me. I want to pick, but I have to put it in my number two. Um, we're without a doubt, one of the best star Wars movies in the entire saga. Um, still keep put empire at the top, but regardless, this was as someone who's been a fan of, this universe you know for almost my entire life um you know this just hit every note for me i'm still amazed by how many fans just outright hated it you know i i get that you know there i mean yeah there were things i would change about it but overall i thought it was just ryan johnson had a vision for it he executed it brilliantly it not only pays homage to everything about the saga but also subverts your expectations um it takes you on a whirlwind of a journey from start to finish uh, and the action's great. Um, there, there are I, things you would I, change about it. 
I mean, little tweaks, but nothing like me. I mean, there. I mean, I, I've still had conversations with people who just hated Luke's story in this, and um, this, you know, in spite despite Mark Hamill's performance, they just they didn't like any of the decisions um, he makes, or the, and some people just hated Rose, and I didn't really think she was that bad. I mean, she wasn't my favorite, yeah. but she was fine. Um, but there are things, little things I tweak, but not really. I mean um you know some of the dialogue here and there yeah that's true um i would i still would have liked an actual like um face-to-face lightsaber duel between luke and kylo but at the same time that twist was so cool that he's actually projecting a force ghost of himself um to that planet and like i said it led to to my favorite moment so i can't really blame that it just it would have been cool to see an actual showdown between them um yeah i mean there's little things i would have done here and there to tweak but very minimal. I mean, overall, I actually love the movie. Um, you know, saw it already a couple times in theaters. Can't wait to have it on Blu-ray. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I, of course, love Force Awakens too, but in a different way. Um, that one was very much a throwback for me and, you know, did a great job providing a modern update of New Hope, whereas Last Jedi took things in a totally new direction. Um, but not in a way that I felt deviate that uh, whereas some people said that it totally deviated from Star Wars and it messed things up and they can't see they want they actually want rectification and their appear their fans petitioning for this to be removed from the Star Wars canon, which I think is crazy, but that's happening. Um, I mean, people are absolutely yeah. nuts. Like, yeah. uh, petition away, guys. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy and everyone responsible for the Star Wars franchise, the custodians of the franchise, like Ryan Johnson and what he did with this movie so much, they gave yeah. him an entire trilogy. So buckle yeah. in, fanboys. Seriously. Yeah. You're, you're about to get a whole lot more of something that you apparently hate. I have to yeah. jump in really quick here, and even if you're sure, not done, and we can go back and forth. Uh, no, go ahead. My number two was Last Jedi also. Very, yeah. <laughs> very, very close um, to my number one. They were really neck and neck. Um, the Last Jedi, to me, is everything that I want from a movie. Um, a theatrical experience. Here's what I want from like the ultimate theatrical experience. I'll give you the checklist. Anticipation. Um, you hear about it for years. Uh, it has a storied for. Oh no, no, that's the second part. You hear about it for years. Um, you see trailers. You get pumped. You talk with your buddies about it. You wonder what this means, what that means. You speculate, um, and and then finally the day comes. You go and you have your experience. Number two, um, a deep backstory and lore and history. I mean, how how awesome is it when you have a franchise with this much backstory and this much depth and this much everything that happens in this movie has so much impact because it it has to do with a universe that's so well established in so many ways. Number three, the cast of the movie is just so outstanding and so inspired. A lot of that goes to J.J. Abrams for his inspired casting of, of the original movie. Ray, Daisy Ridley for me, really, really came out in this movie. I know a lot of people loved her in Force Awakens, especially you, Kevin, but uh, for yeah. me, this was the movie that i really fell in love with her um and then kylo ren i mean uh adam driver's role i mean what an inspired casting you look at this guy you wouldn't think this is the guy you're going to cast as like your your you know second lead or almost second lead in 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 star wars but they picked him and boy is he brilliant in this role and he really comes into his own once he smashes the mask and goes maskless um he's just perfect as this tortured um uh, uh passionate emotional wreck of a villain i mean just so good um so the casting is great um the writing is and and i'm going to mix that in with surprises um this movie is a movie chock full of shocking surprising 
wonderful moments of awe and wonder where I'm just like, oh my god, what is going to happen next? Holy shit, did that just happen? Oh my god, did that just happen? And there were like eight of them in this movie. Maybe you get two, maybe three in a great film. This movie had like eight what-the-fuck moments, and they all uh, go together in a beautiful medley. I just can't even... I can't say enough good things about this movie. It's so close to being number one. It is in any other year. I mean, it's just... It's the Star Wars movie that I wanted. And the reason, um, too... Is and, and then number six reason, right? The direction. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous yeah. to look at. It's beautiful to behold. Cinematography is gorgeous. Soundtrack is beautiful. And and then you go to the movies and it all caps off with a crowd that's so into it. Everybody was just riveted to the screen. As we mentioned in our spoiler cast about this uh, movie, it's the kind of movie where, unlike Force Awakens when I saw it, when everyone was cheering the whole time, this time it was like audible gasps and quietness and just everybody just couldn't believe what they we're seeing over and over again so i think also maybe the last ingredient is a movie that's willing to take all those other ingredients and have the balls and the courage to make crazy left field decisions and stick to your guns and do things that genuinely surprise you and for me all tv video game stories comic book stories and movie stories all come down to a sense of surprise and wonder if i am not surprised and intrigued and wondering what's going to happen next and then genuinely interested when it happens whether it's surprising or just you know compellingly sells whatever the plot point is that is what i want from a movie and this movie just delivered it over and over again it's just everything i want in a in a blockbuster movie uh it, it, anyway I, I could go on and on it's just so great sure um <clears throat> well i'll i'll uh i <laughs> i i did not last year i did not make my top three mm-hmm. um I didn't hate it. I know I I, I I get where I get some of the criticism and I have criticisms, but I, I obviously think people who are just like all out hating it because I think one of the things I've seen a lot of is people who are just like, oh, they ruined they ruined Luke or they oh, lo- ruined Leia. And I'm just like, it's been 30 years. What did you like? What do you think the guy was doing when he abandoned society in the last movie? He's yeah. not going to be the same guy he was 30 years ago. Right. Um, and I you know. It's good that the movie was surprising, and I I like that they introduced new force powers, even if I didn't love the, you know, Leia flying through space bit. Yeah, Um, yeah. To me, it was just a movie that didn't didn't hit me as hard um, as other Star Wars movies, but, you know, I enjoyed it a lot. I definitely, it was in my my honorable mentions and running. I'm excited to see what Ryan Johnson does with the trilogy, and I I think it'll be better when he is able to just kind of do whatever he wants. I think people will enjoy those movies way more because there's not that same nostalgic pull and I think he'll be something really special yeah with that trilogy whatever it ends up being um, but I, I, I enjoyed The Last Jedi a lot it would definitely I, I was I was trying to think where I would place it and it's probably third or fourth it, it, it's, it's always tricky with Star Wars but especially when I know that your top three includes Rogue One that makes it really tricky yeah, no, I you know I listened to your Star Wars episode. You guys shit talked to me. I was like, all right, I see how it is. No, I just I'm I'm in in shock about that. But anyway, it's not top three, by the way. It is number oh. one with a bullet. I love Rogue One. Oh my god. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, is that everyone for number two? Yeah, yeah. Because you yeah, both you guys it, both yeah. have. All right. So next up to start is Kevin with. We're getting into the technical side of things. Cinematography. All right. All right. Yeah, cool. Let's do awesome. it. 
Well, this one was easy for me because, uh, I mean, this guy gets nominated in this category every year, and rightfully so. But um, the cinematography by Roger Deakins in Blade Runner 2049, I mean, there's just no question about it. It is a work of art. It is masterful. That guy could make an image of a wall look like a work of art. Um, and here he just does so many different things to add texture and layer to all of the images and um, the world building. And, you know, there's um, scenes that are kind of like out in this like desert area when uh, Ryan Gosling is going to track down Harrison Ford. Uh, then there's, you know, the neo-noir city. Then there's like the headquarters of Jared Leto's character. There are so many things going on. And Roger Deakins does such a great job adding a different sort of character to each setting and um, a different feel, a different atmosphere, um, playing with colors and lighting and texture and just making your eyes just, it's just eye candy, but it's also, you know, each shot is so intriguing and you want to reflect on it and you want to look and try to decipher what kind of message he's trying to convey through the images and um, that I don't know, it, I could just go on and on about that, but I, I'm curious, Rich, what your picks is because I'm you know, oh, I know uh, cinemato- cinematography pick, yeah. Oh, there's no question, Blade Runner. There's nothing yeah, else to talk yeah. about. That's why, yeah. There's nothing else to talk about. There's no, there's no rival. Like Star Wars right. is is a gorgeously cinematographed. Right. Uh, the cinematography in uh, in in Last Jedi is brilliant, but I mean, it, it's just it it's not. You know, one of them is 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 I, I don't know that expression, but it's like you know, one person is uh, uh, like they talk about authors. You know, that it's like one author writes, the other one paints. You know what I mean? And yeah, this yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is yeah. like that distinction level. Sure, sure. And yeah, that's why I mean, I I suggested this category just so I could talk about this. But yeah, yeah. I mean, there's uh, just no there's no comparison. I mean, the movie is just uh, it's it's gorgeous. Uh, anyway, so that's my pick too. Yeah, awesome. Um, well, I really loved the cinematography in a few movies this year. I think um, Baby Driver was really good. That always, I think that does come down more to editing than full-on yeah, cinematography, I, yeah. though I think sure. there was a lot to like there. Um, my second closest was The Shape of Water, I think was beautiful throughout as well. There. Yeah, It had one of my, it had probably my favorite opening of all year, and it made me want... Um, it really made me want Guillermo del Toro to direct a Bioshock movie because the the Ooh, opening nice. shot that's all underwater and with the floating stuff was was gorgeous. But cool as I was on this film, I you know yeah it's it, it, there was no other choice. Roger Deakins for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. It's it's a visual masterpiece. It's a tour to it's 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 fucking phenomenal to look at. So yeah, that would be best cinematography as well for me. <laughs> awesome. Well, that made it easy. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. What's up next? Rich, you're up with screenplay, which I know we're gonna differ on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, oh yeah. Um, Last Jedi, Last Jedi for sure. Um, for all the reasons that I mentioned before, um, I can't, I can't. You know, I the decisions that he made, the balls that he had. I hate that word. I don't know why I keep using it. Um, the the guts that it took to make the decisions that he made. I would say, in particular, um, that really cool dynamic, which at first I questioned, of uh, of Ray and um, Kylo uh, having a force connection, um, and that the way that that propels the story forward. Um, 
the the whole drama on the ship of um, Poe Dameron versus Laura Dern's character, and then how that turns out with what ended up being was that your favorite moment? Was that what that was? That category, Jordan? Yes. Um, the that, light speed attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that moment. Um, I just think in general, it is one of the hardest tasks on the planet of Earth to take Star Wars and do the second movie in the new Star Wars trilogy. And to pull it off as well as he did and make a movie that outstanding, um, I just think it was great. Now, yes, there were some there was some tinier moments. There were some things that I wish I didn't hear, um, some lines I didn't love. And, and, and there were a little bit, especially in the Rose and... and, and um, What's his name? God, it just slipped my mind. Finn. Finn. Rose and Finn scenes um, a little heavy-handed with the political aspects. And believe me, I'm all for, you know, the message. But I just, I, I didn't love the way that it was executed there. But just the writing and the new characters he created. I love Benicio Del Toro's character. I love everything he said. I love the little comment he makes. When he, I mean, I could just go on and on and on and on and on with moments. Um, I just think it, it, it's build up and it's and, and the way that he sells these great moments. I just think the writing is, 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 is gutsy and and, and bold and surprising and also all within the context of one of the hardest writing jobs you could have on earth so that, that that's my pick um <clears throat> cool I, I i do have to say i mean just for me i i did because i love the direction the cinematography the acting i do think the script was the was the weak link that did lead to a lot of my problems with the last jedi but i do agree that it was very gutsy and it took risks and i, I do respect it for that well, you know, that's the question of is screenplay about, like, the particular dialogue or is it about, you know, conceptualizing the story? I mean, it's both, Well, not right? just dialogue. I'm not saying dialogue. I'm saying oh. the actual, like, storytelling problems in the movie. Oh, okay. Because um, okay. I do think the Finn and Rose scenes are clunky and kind of out of place. And, I, you know, I think some of the handling of other stuff is a little weird, too. Well, but I, is... I do like it overall. Yeah, it's the... just I, I think my problems were mostly with some of the writing choices. And so that's why, for me, it was like, eh. And it wasn't the direction or anything else. I think everyone did a great job bringing it to life. And I do think it takes some very good risks and changes to the mythology that I really like. But there are also things I didn't. And that was all I was saying. Okay, got it. Well, I just, you know, I, I think that the Finn and, and Rose stuff, as much as I think it could have been done a little bit better, at the same time, without it, if you just stripped it out of the movie, like a lot of people sort of had suggested, then you lose... It, the movie wouldn't have enough locations and it wouldn't have enough diversity of, of, of places to look at. Um, I wouldn't say take that stuff out. Yeah. It's just certain, there are certain narrative conveniences that bug me. Mm. Um, I do, like, I, I still don't know how I feel about Benicio Del Toro's character, but the whole convenience of they went to find one specific hacker and then they just happened to end up with another hacker is a little bit like, mm. that's very much plot. Like, you know, so, I mean, it's just stuff like that, I but I overall mean. really liked it. I see what you mean. That is a little bit, yeah, I see what you mean. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, I guess I'm up next. Uh, are, or were you done? I don't want to... Oh, I'm done. I'm done, okay. yeah. Uh, so I went with one that was, um, a movie that wasn't really ever going to be in my top top, but I did like... What, what I liked about it was because it was based on a true story, it was able to draw a lot of specificity and a lot of very small, nuanced, true-to-life moments. And Wait, was a able to bring Wait in... a second. Is this a movie that I don't know that you've seen yet? Uh, does, it I don't... With, does it start with an M? No. Okay, good. All right, go ahead. I think oh, I know so what that's... it is, and it might be mine, too. 
But go ahead, Jordan. Um, but the specificity, what it's able to show about being, you know, a stand-up comic and about this relationship yep. and just yep. the specificity of the relationship and all that they're able to do with it. Uh, I went with by Emily V. Gordon and Kumal yep. Nanjani, The Big Sick. Nice. Shame. Okay. Oh, my pick. Oh, yeah. Go Very for nice. It. I'll talk. Yeah. Um, I just... What I loved about this movie is it's it's very uh, – one thing I like is how raw it is. It very much – you know, Kumal is able to show off, you know, some of the crappy stuff he did um, and is, you know, very frank about it. And he's able to perform as himself in a way that shows his own shortcomings. Um, it does a really good job of having these very specific interests of his in terms of his movies and in terms of his job and the challenges he faces in trying to be a stand-up and then just – all the little moments of their relationship that pop up throughout and make it very clear why they're together and why they like each other. But then the scenes with his family. It also helps that a lot of the uh, you know, stuff for him that is from being Pakistani is very familiar to me as a Middle Eastern person. <laughs> um, not as intensely. You know, my family is not fully that. Um, but, you know, I have an immigrant father. Uh, I have a lot of ties to the culture back home and the expectations, and I know them. So that jumped out specifically to me in a lot of great ways. But it's just a very smart script. It does a lot of really great jokes and great moments, and it gives depth to the parent characters, um, both of them in ways that it could have easily not. Um, it shows the development of his relationship with them and why he likes her, and it, it makes it, you know, she didn't immediately take him back, and she shouldn't because, to her, like she says in the movie, to her it wasn't an immediate, it wasn't this development of time. It was like she, you know, went into a coma and then didn't know anything that was happening. And I, I just... I love the way it worked. I love that they were able to draw from their own experience and they were able to use that to create just a, a fantastic movie. So for me, that was why I liked the big sick for screenplay. Yeah. Sure. So just to add on to it, I mean, first of all, I, I love the movie. Uh, you know, like I said, I came in um, to the first viewing really not knowing much about it. I mean, I knew the basic, very basics, but again, I didn't, wasn't really familiar with Kamal Nanjiani prior to this because I haven't watched Silicon Valley yet, and um, so I just I knew very little about the movie going in, but I loved it from start to finish. And um, it's interesting that my screenplay pick and my director pick are different from my top three. Part of that is because there were so many great movies that came out this year, and there's a lot I wanted to talk about. But uh, hands down, The Big Sick was the best screenplay I came across all year. Um, as Jordan said, this nuances of their relationship are all built into it, of their characters. And not only that, but it takes you on every emotion really possible. And usually when movies do that, it falls apart. And I hate when they try to manipulate you and all that, but here it just works so well. It's so natural. And again, I think I absolutely agree that part of that is because it's based on a true story. And, um, you know, I read interviews with them and obviously they had to tweak certain things, but in general, I mean, it's a, one of those, you know, unbelievable stories that actually did happen. And, um, you know, he was, uh, came from a Middle Eastern background, and his parents expected him to marry someone who's Middle Eastern. He falls in love with an American woman, and then um, early into their relationship, she contracts this illness and goes into a coma, and um, that's how he meets her parents. And it's just one of those unbelievable stories that, um, and because of that and all that happening, it takes you on so many emotions. And um, at one minute moment, you're laughing out loud. At another, you're crying. Um, and then, you know, ultimately you're just hoping and praying that, oh, she's going to make it out okay and um, and everything will work out in the end. And, you know, it does, of course. But, um, yeah, it was just, I mean, every beat was just perfect. There was, it was one of those where 
I, I didn't think anything was there that shouldn't have been. Um, there was nothing missing from it. It was just right as it is. And um, so it was just a tour de force for me in terms of writing and acting. Um, you know, nothing like spectacular about the direction. I mean, it was solid. It was very well done. Um, but absolutely, the screenplay was phenomenal. It was original, captivating, hilarious. Um, yeah, I just I loved yeah. it. It, just, it has so many great little moments. Like, I love this. Again, going to the specificity, I love that one of the only things his parents ever know to tell the women they co- invite over is that he loves X-Files. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and then the joke where um, this is just like, oh, you should go on SNL. You should email them. Like, he's like, oh, that's great. Yeah, I'll, I'll shoot them a message next week. You know, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it, it was just, it was a great, it was a great script for a great movie. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, next up is director, which is back to me. Uh, we've a few, we've a, I realize we've agreed a few times, which is which yeah, we is have, funny. yeah. Um, but uh, for me, this was again one where I just uh, it was really easy for me because uh, my favorite director had a movie this year, and it wasn't just that he's my favorite director; it's that he once again showed why he's such a fantastic director oh, because of how he is able to plant so many things early on and and you know the way characters are positioned and how they're there's so much symbolism in the scenes and the way the characters interact and the way they're positioned uh edgar wright for for baby yep. driver we're the uh, same again <laughs> <laughs> Look, the i promise was... you listeners we did not copy each other's list we, just and we definitely have a different number one i feel very confident saying that yes yes but um Edgar Wright just knows how to make a good movie. He puts so much work into it. I mean, even the movies of his um, that aren't my favorites, like, uh, you know, I don't love The World's End, but that's Uh purely from a position of it is aimed at an older audience. But I could still see the craft of it and the the work put into all the specific details. And that's all on display in Baby Driver with all the different characters and the performances he gets from the actors. And, you know, the, the subtle things like how he'll have uh you know baby and um oh what's her name lily what's uh lily james's character i forget um uh oh gosh hold on um but but it hold on i'll pull it up because i have the soundtrack on and that's one of the names of the songs i think Hold on. yeah but the way he'll put them next to each other when they're listening to music and they'll put them so that their heads are like touching while they're on the outside hmm deborah yeah yeah yeah. and then but then when he'll listen to music with buddy it'll be you know with them between them so that there's like a barrier and it's all those little things that that sell the relationship and how he's developing and again the look of the action scenes the fact that he makes a walk to a coffee shop look so dynamic and the little background words showing up in the graffiti and everything i mean the man takes a while to make movies but he puts a lot of work into them and the the work he put into developing um the the soundtrack for this, or not to mention the editing. I mean, he is very involved in the process of making his movies, and he does a great job every single time. Um, he hasn't made a bad movie yet, and he's five deep. So whatever he does right. next, I'm excited for. Uh, Edgar Wright was my favorite director. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, really, just to add, not much I have to add, but I just want to say that recently I read Simon Pegg's autobiography, and he talks about it toward kind of toward the end of the book when he met Edgar Wright and. Um, he said that, you know, when they were first, the first project they ever did together was the show Spaced, which was a mm-hmm. um, sort of cult series from the late 90s, early 2000s. And um, he said that, you know, he was writing it with, I forget the woman who co-wrote the show, 
Um, Vera Park, I think. Ah, uh, sounds right. Yeah, I think. So. But um, but like when they handed the scripts to Edgar Wright, he said that the level of detail that Edgar Wright came um, to them with storyboards and mapped out, and he knew exactly how he wanted each scene to look and how it would be choreographed and how um, each shot would be framed. And he that's when he knew that, oh, my gosh, I have to work with this guy more and more. And that's how they became good friends is he just knew that um, even when he was really young at the time and barely in his 20s, he already had this just um, mastery of his craft and he knew exactly what to do with the camera. And that shows in all those movies. But um, and like, you know, Hot Shot of the Dead and Hot Fuzz are still my favorites. But here he once again proves just um, how well he can do with, you know, make like you said, the coffee scene. I mean, something like that that could have been done so boringly and by someone else, he turns it into just this, you know, eye candy and this ridiculously fun experience where um, you see him interact with different people on the street and it's so well edited. And yeah, I, so, I mean, there were plenty of other contenders for this. Um, Guillermo del Toro for Shape of Water, um, Jordan Peele for Get Out, James Mangold for Logan, um, Denis, I'm going to always mispronounce his name, um, for Blade Runner. But yeah, I would have to give a dead grade. He's still definitely one of my favorite directors of all time. Um, and he once again proves, you know, why he is so good at making movies. Yeah. And it was uh, Jessica Hines that was the Hi, co-writer on Space. Yes. Uh, Nira Park is one of his current frequent collaborators. Right, right, right. Um, awesome. But yeah, Rich, okay. uh, what do you got for best director? Um, so my best director pick uh, is one that you just referenced, um, Kevin, and that is Denis yeah. uh, Villanueva. Yep. Um, what's interesting about this pick for me is I am not the biggest fan of his previous work. Um in, in some cases. So I like Prisoners a lot, although there are a lot of problems with it as well. When I was watching it, yes. there are a lot of things that I didn't like about it. Mm-hmm. Although I like the movie overall, I there's a lot of things that I would change and a lot of things that are a little amateur hour about it, especially in the direction and the writing. Um, moving forward from that, Arrival um, is a good movie to me. It isn't nearly as good as the short story that it is based on and the concept um, in that story and the way that that story is executed. I find that to be much better. Um, So I'm not the biggest fan of Arrival either. Um, It lacks a deft touch to me. It seems a little bit heavy-handed. It just doesn't have the subtlety that I really want out of of a movie like that. Um, That said, Blade Runner 2049 had all of that for me. Um, I thought that it was gorgeous. I thought that it was a huge undertaking. Um, and I think that uh, he showed um, restraint and also just the right times to, you know, crunch on the nostalgia and just the right times to, you know, press the pedal to the metal. It's just a very hard movie to make, um, <laughs> a very hard movie to watch, too, apparently, if if, uh, if if the masses are any indication and how bad that movie, unfortunately, did in the box office. Um, then again, like a lot of people say, it's a sequel to Blade Runner. What did you expect? Um, because that movie histor- uh, famously didn't do well in theaters either. Um, and, but I, I just think it's just a huge project, and I just think he executed it from a directing standpoint in every way. So that's my pick. Absolutely. Cool, cool. Um, all, right. all right, well, next up comes back to Kevin to start us off on this one. 
This is your worst movie of the year. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, TV. We this I, I made a made up category for a TV episode, but movies. Once you paid your ticket price, you're you're usually sticking it out um, because a movie is much easier to finish even when it's bad. What was your worst film of 2017, Kevin? I mean, this was without a doubt easy. Um, I mean, Grant, I had you know some runner-ups like. Like, I mean, yeah, we mentioned Happy Death Day earlier. I mean, yeah, I mean, I kind of knew it was going to be a dumb movie going in, and it was, but I at least had fun with that. I mean, because it was one of, it's a really good, dumb, fun October watch, and, um, you know, it is one of so bad that it's good. So I didn't really, you know, I didn't really hate watching it or anything. Like, I mean, it was good, dumb, fun. But without a doubt, the most boring movie I saw all year, and I knew, it, I mean, I, I didn't really have any reason to think it was going to be good, um, you know, the reviews that already come out and I wasn't looking forward to see it, but as you can go back to a previous podcast and listen to the whole story of how, you know, our, how Rich we, and I how we ended up at this movie. Right. Um, but the dark tower was just God awful for me. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, I mean, all the reviews are saying, I mean, and usually I disagree when, um, something is so harsh on movie, but here, I mean, yeah, it, they were not lying. Um, the world building is terrible the script is abysmal um instead of this like really interesting captivating world from the stephen king books we get this totally boring cliche story about this kid who no one cares about and the gunslinger doesn't even show up till half an hour in and it's only an hour and a half long but it feels longer um idris elba tries to hold things together but with the material he has to work with i mean who can blame him for um you know not being able to um, even Matthew McConaughey, I, I thought was miscast in this. I mean, again, it's hard to say because the the script was so bad and he had nothing to work with. But still, I I think someone like Woody Harrelson would have been a better pick for the Man in Black. Um, but yeah, even then, there was just uh, I was bored. Um, there was a semi cool action scene at the end, but even before that, the CG was pretty terrible. Um, the kid actor was beyond uninteresting. Um, some of the others were pretty terrible, too. Yeah, I was just, oh, I couldn't wait for it to end. So, a dark hour, without a doubt. Fair enough. Really quickly, I, I did want to ask, because you mentioned, what screenplay movie did you think I was talking about, Rich? Molly's Game. Oh, okay. No, yeah, I have not seen that. Uh, but what's your worst movie? Sorry to, to distract. I wanted to, while it was back no in my head. No worries. Me? Yeah. So mine is another subtitled category, um, and uh, well, it's it's important. Um, these are these are things these are statements that I need to make about this year of film, um, and this one is called worst movie or movies slash how to ruin a book or how to ruin uh, or how to make a terrible mo- movie based on a novel. Um, yeah, I think I was right about what you, your worst movie was. Yeah, you, you are. Um, although there are two, there are two other, there are two honorable mentions that fall into the same category. The first one is The Dark Tower. Um, now, granted, I don't know that anybody could make the right movie out of this. This certainly wasn't it. Um, but this is a notoriously impossible franchise to make a movie out of. They've tried and tried and tried and tried and tried for 15, 20 years. They can't do it. Um, 
and this movie was just a hodgepodge of luckily for me all the all a lot of the really interesting elements of the book so i was still intrigued and i still was entertained like i wasn't bored by it like like kevin was i found it interesting because i don't know the gunslinger story so even the little elements of it that it did tell me because they're so interesting because stephen king's a, a brilliant creative mind i found it interesting to watch but as a movie it's terrible i mean it's just a shitty movie it doesn't do anything to make you like feel the wonder that gunslinger is supposed to make you feel or the or the or the the dire straits that they're all in and 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 the menace from the characters and and just talk about a waste of resources i mean the actors are just phenomenal and the material is so weak so anyway that's one way to ruin a book another way to ruin a book is a movie called the dinner which i talked about briefly in a previous episode but it's basically based on either a norwegian or a sweden swedish book i forget or maybe a british book but anyway it's uh no it's definitely i think german it's called et dinner now that i think about it um and uh, Het Diner, maybe. Um, and it's basically a movie about um, four people, uh, two couples. Uh, one is a very famous politician um, and his wife, his second wife. Um, and then the other is his brother, who's kind of schizophrenic, and his wife. And um, they, have, they meet for dinner. And it brings out all of this crazy drama that happened behind the scenes. And in other words, their children, both families' children... Um, committed a horrible atrocity and they're going to get away with it it pretty much hasn't come out and maybe no one will find out and they have to sit at this dinner table and decide what they're going to do about this and it's a moral discussion it's you know all about the discourse it's very discursive um, it's very interesting from a thematic and plot perspective however the movie is just not good um, they do a bad job of selling it um, the characters are over the top and histrionic there's no subtlety to it um, it's just a very poor execution. So there's another example of just a really, and it's a really fascinating concept. I think you may, hopefully you guys would agree, but um, the 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 movie execution is just poor. Um, but the number one, um, to use the expression that we've been throwing around here a lot, with a bullet, and it's very apropos because there are bullets involved, is Murder <laughs> on the Orient Express. So I'm surprised this didn't make your most disappointing. Uh, it would have because, but I can't pick everything for everything. Yeah, um, sure, this yeah. this probably would have been disappointing, except it's more than disappointing. It's terrible. Yeah, um, and that's the thing. It's not just disappointing because I had such high hopes for it. It's actually a bad movie actively, and it also another much like the other two that I mentioned. I mean that the the dinner has Richard Gere in it, um, and uh, and another guy whose name escapes me, but he's also famous and excellent. Um, this movie, Murder on the Orient Express, is... I kind of knew it was going to go either way. When we saw the trailers, I was, like, really excited because Agatha Christie is literally my favorite author, her and Dickens, um, and Jane Austen. Like, it's a tag... It's a, a three-way tie, and, and I really like, as far as enjoyment, probably Agatha Christie has brought me the most enjoyment in my life. Um, murder on the Orient Express is a fantastic murder mystery with a very unique solution, um, and this movie loses everything that's good about it. I knew, I, I knew there was going to be a problem in a couple ways. Number one, when I saw the trailer, and he goes, I am probably the greatest detective the world has ever known. And then the music starts in, keep me out believing, believing. And I was just like, oh, geez, this looks bad. But I, I, I'll hold out hope, because I like the things that Kenneth Branagh's done in the past. He does really good stuff. And he understands British slash international murder mysteries. He did the Wallander series, based on the novels of Henning Mankell, which are brilliant. They're brilliant executions. I'm not as good as the actual originals, but really good. Um, he knows how to do a subtle uh, period piece or, or even modern day mystery. Unfortunately, he got it in his craw that he was supposed to make like his version of Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes. Um, so he was like, what if uh, Hercule Poirot 
could actually kick ass also. And the point of Hercule Poirot is he's like 50. He's this overweight Belgian gentleman who's kind of quirky and funny and walks with a little walking stick and uh, says talks about his little gray cells and how he solves mysteries. He's the furthest thing from an athletic specimen. That's not the point. So he just thought, well, we can change that. Why don't we change that? So there's running and action scenes. And it is pretty, you know, from a cinematography perspective. It, it, you know, it's beautiful and you see snow. But that's not hard to do when you have one fucking set. You know, um, and it's all on this train, and that's fine. That's what the plot calls for. Um, but talk about a waste of a cast. Johnny Depp, he's the murder victim, so he's in it for 15 minutes. But still, I mean, just a waste. And then um, uh, Daisy Ridley's in it. Um, Josh Gad is in it. Um, um, uh, not Helen Mirren. What's that other one that everyone loves? Judy Dench is in it. I could go on and on. Uh, uh, um, the guy who plays Finn is in it. What's his name? No, it's not him. He, um, no, it it's is. It's the guy from Hamilton. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah. The guy plays Finn is in it. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Let me uh, let me double check. Um, why don't you guys double check that for me while I do this? Um, but anyway, they're all in it, um, and it is just they squander all of their potential. The denouement, the whole conclusion where he calls everybody aside and and you know tells them who done it is terribly done. I mean, everything about it's bad. It, and I went with somebody who uh, fell asleep during the movie, and she never falls asleep during movies ever. Um, and so, I mean, it was, it was that bad. Um, so anyway, it, it was a very unfortunate movie and it, it, it makes, it's absolutely disappointing, but it's also the worst movie of the year, uh, by far for me. So those are three movies that absolutely <coughs> ruined the potential of the book. Um, and, um, I just have to say, I think I've said before, but it is fascinating because, um, you know, and I know screenwriters often get kind of like put to the wayside a little, but Michael Green was a screenwriter of that movie, and he also delivered some of your favorites of the year, so it's, I mean, he had a heck of a year. Even though he had, you know, I was, I mean, um, a misfire, according, I haven't seen it, so I can't say, but um, but he also did, like, co-wrote Logan, co-wrote Blade Runner, was the co-showrunner of American Gods, and um, co-wrote Alien Covenant, so I just have to give him a shout-out. He, even though, you know, that was a misfire for you, he did have a heck of a year. Yeah, he did. By the way, my apologies. You're right. It wasn't. It wasn't him. It's like the guy from Hamilton. Yeah, that, you're right? absolutely right. Leslie, yeah, Odom, yeah, yeah. Leslie Odom Jr. My bad. That's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. anyway, anyway, that aside, um, just a really, really bad movie. Um, I, I, I recommend you watch any other version of it. There's a classic version, but the best version of all the Poirot stories are the ones, um. Uh, that that were done relatively recently with David Suchet. He did the entire canon um, as part of PBS Masterpiece and the BBC, and there's like, you know, 105 different ones, and some of them are hour-long, some of them are full movies. Um, And the Murder on the Already Express that that he does is fantastic. It's definitely should be the canonical version that you check out. So anyway, that's my worst. All right. Well, um, I watch a lot of horror movies, so no surprise, I see a lot of very bad movies each year. Right. <laughs> because yeah, I love horror. Of course. Yeah, I love horror, but man, there's some dreck in there. Um, so I have a lot of honorable, dishonorable mentions, as it were. Um, uh, Rings was one of those movies where I was surprised <laughs> it actually came out this year. But uh, God, it feels like a movie. I, I'm pretty sure it has multiple screenwriters credited it, and you can feel it because it feels like a movie that got rewritten again and again and again throughout production um because it takes these wild turns in terms of tone and the type of story it's telling uh pirates 5 was pretty terrible oh god um, you saw that. is it really that bad 
Yeah, it's... Because it's on Netflix, and I keep, like, seeing it and thinking I should watch it. It's just, they don't, they have nothing left. You know, there's actually, the the young leads are pretty good, but man, everyone else just seems tired and exhausted oh, to be there and has no effort to give. All Johnny Depp can do is think about his mounting debts in the real world, and he's just like, oh, I gotta do this because I owe a ton of money, but... I mean, even Jeffrey Rush, who's usually pretty invested in whatever he's in, isn't, you know, exciting in this. Uh, but After the fourth one, I wasn't gonna say that. The first one's one of my favorite movies as a kid, but it, it, and then it went progressively downhill after that. But after the, I like the second one a lot. I'm, yeah, the second one's fun. Uh, the second one's fine. I I like the fourth one more than the third one because I feel like it gets way too convoluted. Really good, but yeah, none the, of them. Are, the, the first one's the only one, one I think is a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, also, uh, a, a dishonorable-ish mention to Friend Request, which is objectively terrible, but I had a fun time watching it. Um, and Bright was also very bad. Uh, but for me, this was a movie that was disappointing and bad on several levels, which is why it uh, it didn't get disappointing just because I wasn't expecting anything to begin with. Like, I did not expect this to be a good movie. But it was disappointing in as far as... Uh, continuing our trend, it was adapting something that I loved. Yeah. Um, it was from a director who has produced some of my favorite horror movies of, of the past few years. He's the guy who directed Your Next and The Guest. Um, and the Blair Witch remake, which was, or sequel, which was, it was alright. Uh, but you know, it, it, and I don't even give it so much to the directing because I think the script is just bad and you can only do so much. Um, I, I do think directors get a little... I, I've always felt that directors get a little too much credit at times because sometimes they're autouristic and they, they put in all the work in all the areas, but sometimes they're also just, okay, here's the script I'm working from, let's shoot this. Right. Um, and that was definitely the case. Uh, not to mention just terrible characterization, some really questionable actors chosen for the roles, uh, the whitewashing aspect of it all. Death Note is so bad. Oh, God. <laughs> and, um, you, and you and I enjoyed so much our rewatch of that. That was so good. The, the original Death Note is especially the a first classic. half. Yeah, the first half especially, and this is what the, that is what this covers, um, because that's all that most Death Note adaptations want to cover, because no one likes the near and mellow stuff. Uh, but the the thing about Death Note, and I'm not even saying this version had to do this, but the thing that's great about Death Note is it's kind of like Hannibal, where the whole point of it is watching these two super genius level dudes kind of like have these intricate battles of strategy and wit mm -hmm. and what's great about death note is it always feels that well written you know it's always said how difficult it is to write for characters that are smarter than you the original creators put the work in and l and light both feel that smart and the the games that they play with each other and the you know the the backstabs and the the crisscrossing and the convoluted plans all make sense yeah well the thing is it's it's kind of it, it adheres very clearly to that concept right of science fiction and fantasy that's done right which is you get one gimme um, I'll give you one like stretch of the imagination, but then everything else in your book or your movie has to make complete sense, and then you have that one rule you can break, right? So in this case, it's the Death Note, and it has its rules to it, but everything it, it gets really complicated and, and and amazingly interesting and intricate and complex because there's all these different rules surrounding the Death Note, and so their plans have to take those crazy rules into account, so, but yet it all adheres to logic in a really great way. I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, what Death Note, the movie, does wrong, and you know what, it is a shorter 
uh, time frame, but they've made good Death Note movies in Japan. So, but but the issue that it comes up with is it it feels like the rules of the Death Note are being written to serve the plot and not having to be written around as challenges for the characters to overcome, which is a problem. The other big problem is it is. You know, we talked. I said how good the manga was at writing smart characters. This is that thing where the plot is only as dumb as it needs to be to make the character seem smart. Because a lot of the stuff that Light does, that Eld does in this movie, would have been so easy for the other two to, if they were really putting the effort in, could have caught L or, or could have caught Light or figured out what he was doing. Because there's just not as much thought put into what he's doing or how he's, you know, choosing his victims or how he's trying to get out from under L's. Uh, grasp and and it's just so dumb they try to rewrite Mira which I appreciate because in the book she's just kind of this obsessed with Kira which is the name for for light uh she's obsessed with him and and she kind of becomes like his um almost puppet uh which is is definitely the sort of thing light in the book would do because he's terrible <laughs> um but in this they rewrite her as, as just a different kind of awful and they make them both so unlikable and he's not this super genius kid and he's played so poorly by Nat Wolf. There are some things I like. Like I said, the chase scene's really good. I think uh, Lakeith Stanfield is fin- – he gives a great performance as L. It's a really different but awesome performance. It is. I think he does a great job. And I, I also like – I like Margaret Qualey from uh, The Leftovers. I like Shea Wiggum a lot. He's been in a lot of things in just smaller roles that I really like him in. But it's just so messy and so poorly executed and so badly written and just the way everything plays out feels so convenient. And it – even beyond being a messed up adaptation of a book that I love, it's just bad. It's 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 – it's terrible. It was the worst movie I saw this year. I hate that. I hope. I know he's doing Kong versus um, Godzilla, so hopefully that'll be a better film for him. Um, because again, he's made some of my favorite horror movies, but Death Note was just—it was a rough go. It um, and it really and, is bad. Yeah, uh, that was my worst movie of the year. And the problem too is, it's like it's a very—it's very hard to make light. You don't like light. I mean, he is the villain, but like you got to make him at least. At least like an anti anti villain anti heroish villainish like you got to at least have some non non hatred for him. At he least has early to be on. interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah. Like, even if you know he's terrible, you have to at least you know like watching him. You in may sort hate of a him, twisted way. You may hate him, but you don't hate watching his plans and and wondering what he's gonna do. And you you also get it. You also have to know where he's coming from. I mean, it, yeah, in the, in the book he's purely he's purely a narcissist who thinks he can make society better. And it's like, well, that's terrible. But you know his motivation, and it's not that clear in the movie why he's doing anything he does. Also, it's a complete waste of Willem Dafoe, who who should have gotten more screen time as Ryuk, who does a really good Ryuk, and I he's know. barely in the movie. I heard they cut a lot of it. It's terrible. Yeah. So that was me. Word. Alrighty. Uh, what else is left? Next up, we've got our honorable mentions. Wow, we're um, there? This is it. Yeah. Honorable mentions oh, at number one. All right. All right. Let's do it. All right. So, Rich, what are your honorable mention picks? So, um, my honorable mentions have mostly been mentioned. Um, my first my, – my, really, they are – there's four of them, and they've all been mentioned. Ragnarok. I love that movie. I, I'm still really surprised that you don't, but 
Um, I just think it's – I don't think I ever had more fun. I will put the word F-U-N on this movie. I never had more fun at a superhero movie ever, not ever. And I love all the different time that we spent. And I, I mean, yes, I get the complaint that like very little of it actually pertains to the real conflict of the movie. But it's almost like a movie in two parts, right? It's the Ragnarok part at the beginning and the end. And then it's the part on that other planet in the middle. Um, and I love that other planet, Sakaar. I love that other planet, and I love Jeff Goldblum, and I really thought he was going to be too goofy and not interesting, but really he's great, and I just had a blast. And I love, what's her name? Who, um, the girl uh, from um, Westworld. Uh, I can't think of her name right now. Um, you know who I'm talking about? Uh, I know uh, you're talking about, but I can't remember the name off the top of my okay. head. Okay, well, the girl from Westworld that is um, that plays the uh, the CEO of the company, or the per- or the woman that comes as a representative um, of the company. Um, to I'm, I'm I'm trying to stall here, if you couldn't tell. Um, it is do 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 do. Where are you? Where are you? Now? Tessa Thompson. Um, Tessa Thompson's role in this was so good. I, immediately when she came on the screen, I was like, I know her. And then she just endeared herself to me for the rest of the movie. I just love her in it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I just I just really, really enjoyed um, everything that she did. So um, I, I just say overall that um, Thor Ragnarok was a ton of fun, and that's why it gets my one of my honorable mentions. Um, my other ones are also ones I mentioned. Wind River almost cracked the top three. Get Out almost topped the crack th- crack the top three and wonder woman was really close also so those four are my honorable mentions um also 50 shades darker just kidding not just kidding about that just kidding <laughs> um and um let's see and then uh let's see do 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 um looking at my list here nope that's it yep those are the those are the four that that really uh that really stand out for me all right uh for me this went to uh, a couple of them that, again, kind of have all been mentioned. I was trying to slip them in in different places throughout the night. Uh, Logan was a big one that I really loved early in the year. I thought it did something new. I kind of love, you know, whether they're good or bad, I like that Sony's, um, <clears throat> or not Sony, Fox's X-Men films do a bunch of different weird things. Um you know, I might not like Apocalypse, but it, it, you know, if it leads to also getting movies like Deadpool and Logan, I'm okay with that. And, you know, New Mutants, which I'm sad got pushed back 10 months. I'm really looking 10 to months? That. Yeah, it's not coming out until yeah. next February. Why now. not? It's done. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, probably because they know they did a terrible, horrendous job advertising it. I didn't even know it was coming out. And then all of a sudden, bam. Anyway, yeah. maybe they want another uh, year to really promote it. It's probably has to do with release windows. Maybe. Well, we'll see. Uh, but then other honorable mentions, Baby Driver was a really great Edgar Wright film. Um, it wasn't – it didn't crack my favorite, which is always a tricky thing when I'm thinking of my favorite movies because I always like to to give – you know, if, if it's a movie from someone who I already like their work, I really want it to be something special for it to make my top three usually. Um, and I really did like Baby Driver, but I, I don't think it quite reached the level of Hot Fuzz or um, wow. Shaun of the Dead – uh, or maybe even Scott Pilgrim, I don't know. But but again, I love all three of those movies, and and I love Baby Driver. It's it, it's tough any day of the week. I could change. Um, Shape of Water was phenomenal. Um, I still haven't seen as many Guillermo del Toro movies as I would like, but this was a very rich, beautiful movie, and I I liked a lot of it. And then um, the the movie that came very close to taking number three, but Get Out, I I had to give it to Get Out was um, Wonder Woman. I, I loved Wonder Woman. It was a phenomenal film with just, just 
you know, it didn't necessarily reinvent the wheel in terms of superhero movies, but it really did a good job telling a great origin story and, and giving such a great character uh, to the world. Um, yeah, those would be all of my honorable mentions. Kevin. Nice. Cool. Um, so I had two of the same Logan and baby driver were both on my list. Logan, I mean, you know, I won't talk to death anymore, but I will say I highly recommend watching it in black and white. Um, that really? was on my third viewing. Um, and I highly recommend that that made it an even, even better in some ways. Um, because it has that kind of noir Western vibe, classical feel to it. Um, so I highly recommend seeing it in black and white, but yeah, I mean, it was so close between that and get out for my number three, um, baby driver. Yeah. Just echo what Jordan said. Um, I do still love shot and hot is much better, but baby driver was phenomenal. And I really want to see, um, Ansel Elgort in more movies. I, I think it's a crime that he wasn't cast as young Han Solo because, he was so perfect for that. He would have been perfect for that role. I would agree. Um, but, you know, it can't have everything. Um, and then just my other two honorable mentions were Big Sick, which I've already talked about um, being such a brilliant uh, combination of comedy and drama. I loved every minute of it. It had wonderful themes to it and uh, was perfectly acted, perfectly casted. Uh, and, yeah, I just you know, saw it twice in theaters, watched it again soon. Uh, and then Blade Runner was also oh, um, man. Uh, honorable mention. Well, that I mean, makes it very clear what your number one is, and that's crazy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, all right. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it. I'll start us off. Wait, wait. Rich, did you do honorable? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Okay, cool. Uh, oh, sorry. No, no, no. You're fine. Uh, start yeah. us off with my number one film of 2017. Drum roll, please. <laughs> I always love to be surprising i love you know when a movie uh you know can can be a pick here that is maybe out of left field but this one i've talked about it a lot already this year it's not gonna come as a surprise but i mean it was it was very very much the best movie i saw this year there was no competition none of the honorable mentions even came close my number two and number three they weren't close the best movie i saw in 2017 was gerald's game i loved that movie um Without question, it was a, you know, I've mentioned it a little bit tonight, but it had dynamite lead performances. I mean, for a movie that has essentially three actors total. Isn't there one uh, set? Isn't it just that that, that room? It's, the, it's almost all set at that lake house, but there are some flashbacks and some other scenes that, that do take place elsewhere. Uh, but the vast majority, yes, is set in the bedroom at the lake house um and and it centers on you know carlo cuccino and bruce greenwood both give multiple multi-layered performances in different ways because uh the movie is about a woman whose uh husband is looking to spice things up and handcuffs her to the bed but then dies of a heart attack in the middle of that and she's left handcuffed to this bed um and the whole movie is about her attempts to survive, her attempts to escape, and there's, you know, the possibility that she's seeing things at night that she's not sure if they're real or not, and it's all about her own psychological breakdown, essentially, and she's arguing with herself and with the image of Bruce Greenwood, and it's just, it's so deeply engaging and captivating that it... Is it, it, it really? It, it doesn't sound like it would be. The performances are phenomenal. I mean, I can't understate just how good both of those actors are in the movie, 
But beyond that, it's just, it's so well written. The dialogue is great, and the breakdowns of the characters and the relationship that they had before the husband died, and, and how she's, you know, reviewing her own life and her own past traumas, the things that get revealed along the way. Um, not to mention it has uh, one of the single, for me, I don't get scared by movies a lot, and I don't even know that this would scare everybody, but just the way there's a certain scene that was cut and shot and and so deeply traumatic in such an immediate way that I legit wow. yelled. Wow. Um, we both did, because I was watching it with Kelsey. Both of us. It hit us both with just how deeply unsettling <laughs> a moment and movie it was. Um, I don't know that I ever want to watch it again. Like Like I said, this is one of those movies where I'm just like, I don't know if I want to see it again because I don't know that it would stand up. But, I mean, Mike Flanagan was the director. He loves Stephen King. He's developed. He has, you know, um, created a, a series of really good horror movies. He made Oculus. He made Hush, which I know Kevin yeah. is a big fan of. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Before I Wake. That's uh, his newest slash old one because it was shelved for four or five years. But that's been getting good reviews. And he's um, he made Ouija Origin of Evil. Um, he, he's just made a series of really good horror movies. And I think Gerald's game is his finest. It's a really good, and, it, and it's the sort of horror movie that is so much beyond like what people think of with like slashers and monster movies. It's just a really good psychological horror film. Um, this is, the, this was his dream movie. He, you know, he took a book that's not even really like one of Stephen King's best and turned it into one of the best Stephen King adaptations. Um, and I know now he's... He, I, I hope he can do that again, because it was just announced he's making Doctor Sleep, uh, which is not that good of a book. But I trust that he can do great things with it, hopefully. Um, but if you haven't seen Gerald's Game, it is a deceptively simple movie that tells a great psychological story. It has great uh, moments of, of really, for me... Uh, you know, horror is different for everybody, but for me, it was one of the most affecting horror movies I've seen since It Follows. Uh, it's easily in my top five favorite horror films of all time now, I'd say. Um, I was thinking about it even recently, and it's like, yeah, it's up there. Um, I love Gerald's Game. It was my best film of 2017. Wow. So I find that surprising. Um, I knew how much you loved it from your tweets and your Facebook comments and, and also talking to you about it briefly. Because um, it was the same time that Dark Tower was out, and you were just like, "Oh my God, Dark Tower is terrible!" But don't never fear. There's a great Stephen King adaptation waiting for you. You know. I mean, it was a good year for adaptations, and a bad year. Yeah, and a very bad year for adaptations. Okay, cool. Well, awesome, man. Um, I definitely need to watch that. That's for sure. It's just very hard to believe that it's going to be that good, but I believe you because it got really good reviews. Um, yeah. And um, and you are really raving about it. So now I have to watch it. Okay. What do you think about that pick, Kevin? Oh, yeah, no, I definitely want to watch it. Um, I knew you were a big fan, but I figured it would come up somewhere in your top three. Uh, it's very interesting that it's number one, so yeah. I definitely got to see it as a result. I'm glad that was a surprise. I thought, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like I've said that it was it was going to be a big contender, and, and yeah. you know, just even even as recently as, like, a couple months ago, I was pretty much like, no, that was the best film I've seen this year. I'm, oh, okay. And I was waiting. I was waiting for something to, to take its place, because I'm always, I'm always hoping the next movie I see is the best movie I've ever seen, because I feel like, you know, you want it to be, right, every time you see a movie. But, no, yeah. yeah that, it was a surprise that Jordan went the entire episode not mentioning the new Spider-Man movie, which I know you really liked, but that, you know. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah. I did really like it, and there was, like... I did, oh, too. wow, I, yeah. I honestly, for me, um, since we're talking about it anyway, I thought this was 
on the whole, a weaker year for superhero movies. We oh, did wow. get real triumphs like Logan wow. and Wonder Woman, but I felt like, uh, you know, Justice League was obviously a hot mess. Um, and then none of the Marvel movies lit me up the way that they oh, have wow. in the past. I, I literally mean, think the opposite. I think it was probably the best year for superhero movies ever. And I've heard that a lot. I it didn't. I Guardians two for me, even on especially on a rewatch, just wasn't as engaging as I wanted it to be. Um, Homecoming probably was my favorite of the three. I really did like that. I love Tom Holland as Spider Man, but it is a very simple, simple, familiar story. Um, it did have a great twist, I thought, with the the reveal of who Vulture was um, in relation to other characters. But I don't know. Yeah. It, it wasn't a movie that really stood out in any of the places where I thought of it as uh, it definitely was never in the top three for me. Um, but uh, I did enjoy it a lot. It just, you know, it was it was it was a solid movie. All right. Well, I thought it was entirely forgettable. I thought it was a very good time to watch when I watched it. I enjoyed it. But I found myself forgetting that it even existed in this whole conversation. It never crossed my mind until you just said that, Kevin. Yeah, that's just interesting. But yeah. Alrighty. Well, I think it's a good return right. to form Spider-Man. I'd say that, because I think the amazing movies aren't that good. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, what's next? Who's next? Uh, next up is Kevin. Alright, Kevin. Okay. Alright, well, so yeah, Rich, I think you know, and Jordan, you probably know by now, because um, you know how much a fan I am of the director, and I could have easily put this movie in categories for director, cinematography, um, actress, you know, like many other categories here, but I kind of want to talk about other movies first before I laid out how much i love this one but awesome. the shape of water is absolutely my favorite film of 2017 um, nice. again it was really hard between that and a star wars movie but um anyone who's listened to the podcast before knows how much i love guillermo del toro um i think i the first time i saw pan's labyrinth i was probably like 14 or 15 because i distinctly remember i was in middle school um when i first heard about the movie and um because my we were uh, just a, it's just a quick, quick side story, but we were doing Midsummer Night's Dream in eighth grade, and um, we were using puppetry, and my drama teacher mentioned the movie, not necessarily recommending it to us because it was an R-rated dark fantasy and very graphic, but um, just because she wanted us to look at um, some of the behind the scenes of the puppetry and everything. And so that's when I first heard about the movie and heard about Guillermo del Toro. So then I watched the movie when I was like 14 or 15. It blew me away, had a profound impact on me. I've seen many of his movies since then. Um, so I knew I was going to see Shape of Water um, as soon as I heard about it and as soon as I saw the trailer. Um, but yeah, it was just phenomenal. I loved the performance, as Jordan mentioned earlier. Um, but what what is her name again? Is Sally Hawkins. Sally Hawkins. Hawkins, that's what I thought. Okay. Um, yeah, she is phenomenal as this um, deaf woman working at um, a, this lab in the 50s and um, where this amphibian monster is brought into from overseas and she falls in love with it it's an incredibly weird story that only del toro could tackle and it's done with expertise and there's so many nuances about it that i loved and the effects the cinematography the world building um you know the relationship between her and her friend there played by uh was it richard jenkins i think uh, yes. and then yes and then michael shannon as I mean, granted, he is a very character villain, but at the same time, Michael Shannon can play a great villain. Um, and even when, you know, it's kind of like it's cliche about, you know, how you know evil he is and all that, still, it, it was captivating to watch, and it totally fit in with, you know, Del Toro's just 
love for this genre, love for comic books, love for sci-fi and fantasy. Um, and that last scene was one of, I mean, it was a contender for my favorite moment of the year, but, um, it was just so striking imagery, the music, the cinematography. So I would still say Pan's Labyrinth is my favorite Del Toro film, but this is a very close second. Um, maybe even, you know, I mean, even a lot of people didn't like Crimson Peak a couple, few years ago. I really enjoyed that one. I own it. Um, so I pretty much like anything Del Toro does. I think he just has... Um, an incredible vision for whatever he tackles. Even a movie like Pacific Rim, which has a very, you know, a really not much substance to it from a script standpoint, he can take that and make it into an amazing world-building experience and entertain you for um, two hours and make it unforgettable. And here, he not only has a great vision for it, but um, it's a very solid script. It has wonderful form performances. Um, I loved everything about it. So, Shape of Water. Awesome. So, Very nice. So, so, for me, that movie was um, gorgeous, beautiful soundtrack, great performances. Um, loved the monster. Um, loved the, yes. the way it glowed and lit up and, and all of that. Loved the vision for it. Uh, Michael Shannon played an excellent villain. The, those fingers were so dis disgusting. Um, yeah. Those, oh, yeah. Rot those rotten <laughs> fingers. Um, yeah. I like the, that the, when the monster touched uh, Richard Jenkins' head, it uh, he made his hair come back. It just that touched me for some weird reason. Um, that poor guy, because he's just so great, and I want him to have his moment, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, I just as a whole, uh, I wasn't. I thought it was pretty good. You know, it's a pretty good okay. movie. Yeah. But that's the difference between being a super fan of Guillermo del Toro, and what I mean by that is his style just speaks to you. Right, um, right. His, his the way he creates movies, his beautiful visual style. It's just on as a director, as a filmmaker, he just speaks, you know, a language that is is just sounds like beautiful to your ears. I take it. Yes, absolutely. Um, um, so yeah, and I just for some reason it, it sounds like uh, like German to me. Um, but but that's <laughs> just you know uh, that's just that's just a, a difference in the way you know we we perceive things. But anyway, sure. I thought it was a good movie, definitely well done, but it definitely didn't crack it for me. So I will tell you what did though. Um, and that is a movie that I am very surprised. I don't think made. Yeah, it didn't make your top three. Um, when we left the movie, we were speechless, Kevin. Um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I mean, that's well. That's the thing about this year is that it was really hard to pick stuff because there was a lot I loved. Um, yeah, and yeah. so I, I absolutely loved that movie. I thought it was. I mean, and as something that you know, when I first it was first announced, I was like, really, they're making a Blade Runner sequel? Come on! And um, it not only blew me away, but it was in many ways better than the original so i absolutely loved it but that's the thing about this year there was a lot i loved and it was hard to pick well when i look at this movie and when we first saw the trailer for it first of all the trailer is horrible and i am so glad it's horrible because uh -huh. it is horrible for a very specific reason and that is that um denis and other people involved with it were absolutely insistent that it not reveal anything about the movie and so just for that i want to give it an academy fucking award for not ruining itself. Um, I always make the statement, and it's almost always true, that movie companies would much rather me see their movie than enjoy their movie. Um, that is just the reality of trailers, the reality of sales and money. Um, I get that. Um, but when you go to the theaters, you're a passive audience, and you can't help it. They're going to throw a gigantic, spoiler-filled, two-and-a-half-minute trailer in front of you for every movie you probably want to see because they're themed around themes you like. You know, you'll see 2049 in front of, you know, whatever in front of a superhero movie because they know it's a similar audience anyway 2049 to me 
has some of the most beautiful moments. It is so well scripted. I'll tell you the things that really meant the most to me. It's Ryan Gosling's performance in that movie. Actually, I can't, sure. even, can't believe I didn't give him credit earlier, but but yeah, he just was so. It may be his, but I think it is his best performance ever. Oh and, yeah, I would say. And not only that, but it's the times when he was the the. I'll give you a great example when he is interacting with his love interest that 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 ghostly being and the way that they have i mean that that beautiful scene where the where the call girl comes over and she melds with her and digital and reality become one when he makes love to this woman who he's actually this ai who he's falling in love with that scene was so gorgeous and spectacular and throughout the movie she builds him up and she bolsters his ego and she pushes him onward and then that devastating moment that's so subtle near the end where he's walking home he passes by an advertisement for the ai company that makes his girlfriend and it literally says, she'll be anything you need, anything to anybody. And then this person appears and goes, you're the best. You're amazing, you know? And and it just shows that, oh my God, she loved him because she was programmed to love him. And it had nothing to do with their relationship. Maybe not. You know, you can interpret it different ways. And that's so great about that movie. It's got so many layers of depth. And if you take it on its own terms, it is a different kind of movie. It is not the kind of movie where you can go into it and expect to be ripped along a, a fast-paced story. Although I didn't find it boring at all, surprisingly, because I get bored in movies. I'm bad about that. But it was two, two hours and 50 minutes, and I just found myself along for the ride, and it was glorious. I really worried when I first saw that trailer and heard this movie was coming out. Blade Runner 2049, I was like... I, I literally had the same feeling as when I heard Total Recall was being remade, literally. And then when yeah. I saw Total Recall and how bad it was or how not good it was compared to the original in so many ways, um, this movie is just one of the most gorgeous, beautiful – I mean I can't just do it enough justice. The reveals are gorgeous and, and that woman who creates dreams, um, she builds dreams with, with – I, I mean it's just – there's so many awesome ideas in that, and when the when when the ghost girlfriend, I, I, you can tell I really like the ghost girlfriend, right? When she goes outside and she feels the raindrops on her hands, and that yes. that merging of AI and reality, and the question that every scene in that thing asks is, "What makes us human?" Um, Jared Leto, after a really disappointing, I'll, I'll admit it, disappointing performance as the Joker in Suicide Squad, comes back with just an excellent villain. And when when he creates these things, and you can see the way he moves his hand, like he's like he's creating things out of clay. Also, we recently on this podcast did a uh, movie review, which most people probably haven't heard because it was part of a special Kickstarter uh, thing. That was part of that, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it was a Kickstarter episode where we talked about Blade Runner, but the consensus tended to be when we rewatched it and, and talked about it. Was was it your first time, Jordan? Yes. It was Jordan's first time seeing it, and for me and Kevin, it was I'd seen it multiple times before, and so had Kevin. Um, but the consensus we came away from it was, wow, that's a great movie, but I didn't enjoy it at all. I don't know if that was your consensus. I think Kevin, you liked it a little more than we did that time. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of the original. Uh, right, but I can't. I don't enjoy watching that movie anymore. Um, I just don't. Um, as much as I appreciate it and its world building and and the cars and I love that it's like a future world that's dirty and gross as opposed to a perfect sure. one. Um, but and and the ideas in it. But as far as like a movie, movie, I enjoyed this one and will will enjoy this one into the future more. Harrison Ford was good in it. Um, the scene where, where what's-her-name from the first movie comes back, uh, Sean Young's character, and, and, yeah. and the way they handle that so perfectly. Um, I just think that the movie is absolutely perfect. I wouldn't cut any time from it. It is what it is. It's an experience and a movie. Um, and uh, for all of those reasons and a whole lot more, um, Blade Runner 2049 is my number one movie of 2017 uh, by a lot. Yeah. 
No, like I said, it was really hard making the top three list because um, that was, without a doubt, one of the best science fiction movies that came out um, in the 21st century. And like I said, the fact that it beat the original Blade Runner, uh, for me, it was just phenomenal on every level. Um, but yeah, ultimately, it just came down to, you know, the, I, yeah, you didn't see Shape of Water. I saw Shape of Water by myself, so... Um, you are there to witness my reaction, but yeah, I was pretty speechless when I came out of the theater. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll I'll chime in a little. Um, just you know, I I was definitely the coolest on the first Blade Runner. I didn't really like it. I appreciate it, <laughs> as you do cultural artifacts and important films, but I didn't like it. Um, and I think I I did like Blade Runner twenty forty nine more than Blade Runner. Um, I, I don't think that's saying much, but I, I don't know. I, I just, I didn't love it. I liked a lot of the narrative stuff. Um, but I, I do think it was too long. I think it, it definitely had a lot of moments where it just existed. And if that's to show off the visuals, that's fine. I get, cause some people like experience, purely experiential movies. I think this leans into that very hard at times. Um, it was captivating for a lot of it, though it did have times where I was I was a little bit losing the losing focus just because it was like, all right, because because it essentially feels like two movies because about the time where he discovers um, or where he thinks he discovers that he's the the missing child feels like the end of one movie. And then it starts into his search for uh, Harrison Ford in the second one. But I just I don't know. I felt like it had a few parts where it it had really good story moments that were disconnected. It felt like it was both trying to uh, expand the breadth of the world and world build while also expanding the depth of the original story. And I don't, I think it suffered for that because as much as I liked the stuff with joy and that whole plot line, it, it felt like it could have been removed because it, it almost, it, no, I'm not saying it was bad. It would lose at so all. much. Oh man, I mean, because because so much of the exploration of the movie is about K. Is that his name? What is his name? Yes. Yeah. K. Oh, yeah, K. It, yeah. yeah. K's K's search for self and whether he's real or not. Um, and she is the perfect perfect companion for that to constantly be at the forefront of the situation and also to deliver just this devastating blow. You know, two thirds of the way through the movie. Um, and also just anyway. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I just I'm not saying it wasn't somewhat effective. I just felt like it it's a very cool movie. It felt almost Nolan esque at times, so it was a little harder to engage. But it also had moments of warmth. I don't know. It felt a little bit like a whole season of Black Mirror tossed into a blender. Well, that uh, sounds pretty good to me, but Because it was like if you tried to make all the stories about one set of characters. Um and I don't know, it just I I didn't I did like it. I thought it was a good film. It's just I, I, I couldn't get into it as much. I thought it had some problems. It definitely did have some gender politics issues with in terms of how the female characters were handled, but overall I liked it. I just I just you know, it didn't blow me away in that same way. I thought the plotting the plot was really good, but could have been told more effectively in a shorter amount of time. Um, yeah, I don't know. again, those those aren't the point, though. But, um, you know, at least the point that, that it seems like the movie was trying to make. What I also, what you were, no, I, I, while you were talking, go ahead. Well, no, I, I would agree. Like I said, I think it is meant to first and foremost be an experiential film. Um, I'm like, and that's why I said I'm glad I experienced it, but I wouldn't want to go back to it. Sure, it's sure. like it's no, purely fair. about like that sense of of wonder at the visuals because it is visually great. That's why I gave it cinematography. I couldn't not. 
Um, but it's not like a movie that I would go back to for the plot because I think ultimately the plot is fairly simple. It's just stretched out a little over those experiential moments to a full two and a half hour, two hours, 45 minutes. Well, um, one thing I wanted to mention that I, I don't remember the exact wording of it, but you, somehow when you were talking, it flashed me um, back to the review that we originally did, uh, Kevin and I, of it. And one of the things that I remember feeling was the fact that it's so expertly, much for the same reasons that I love the screenplay of Last Jedi, took the old elements of Blade Runner and recreated them and recast them and instead of ruining the the source material like often that does when they'd go back and they try to like alter things or alter the meaning of things it 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 richened it 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 enriched the the original movie with the things that this reveals about that original movie and i think that that is a terribly difficult thing to accomplish i also like the fact that it threw in all kinds of future tech that it never explained just to make you feel immersed it's the kind of thing where i can imagine that there was a 300 page world bible that we just never got to read or see um and and that it was all in there we just don't see it like all the tech that they're using in the police station but more importantly the stuff that Jared Leto's character had in his head, and they, he would install a different one to do different functions. What the hell were those? We don't know, you know? And there's lots of that in that whole facility that he runs and the rooms that he's in and his his per, his very cruel sort of errand woman. Um, it, it's just, there's, and then the bombs and the explosions and the, just the different things. They never, t- even though it's two hours and 50 minutes, um, the, the, it doesn't necessarily explain a lot of this stuff. And then the coolest was the dream building. I mean, just the tech in it. I don't know, from a, from a sci-fi, cyberpunk world-building perspective and then from a story perspective and an emotional perspective. I think it just delivers on all those fronts so well. And the oldest question from the franchise of whether or not Deckard is a replicant is still never explicitly stated one mm-hmm. way or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, a, I mean, I think it all... Way. Like, I like worlds with ambiguity, and it's just Blade Runner's not a world I'm super interested in because I don't like that first movie. So, again, there's a lot I liked in the movie. I just, it didn't... You know, it just didn't connect with me, and yeah. I, you know, that's, that's you kinda, how it was. You kind of didn't expect that it would either. I think, if I remember, it was much better than I, I, I was was. I was happy that I liked it as much as I did. I will yeah. say that. I yeah. just, I, I, you know. Yeah, I hear you. I um, will say this though. Speaking of uh, cyberpunk and murder mysteries, uh, Altered Carbon, dude. Oh my God, it looks like the best thing that ever existed, and it comes out on February second. Um, and on Netflix, the the whole season's dropping, and it's the second most expensive series Netflix has ever made, only second to The Crown. Um, so that means more than Marco Polo, apparently, which seems crazy. Um, but it's awesome, and it is literally a cyberpunk murder mystery starring Joel Kinnaman. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding um, me? Or Rich Lepore, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It might have been I, I'll say... Out. Uh, kind of like Kevin surprised. I'm surprised Dunkirk didn't come up at all. I thought I you know, both right, did that, enjoy that. <laughs> I would have had to make a category up, and that category would have been um, most overrated movie of the year. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. I mean, I I still really liked it. Yeah, um, I know me too. You can go back to our Christopher Nolan episode, and we talked about it. But um, but it was interesting. Like when I, I remember going in to see it, and the guy at the movie theater said it's his best film. Um, and I did really love it. It was, right. but. Um, but it's also hard when same guy who made is one of my favorite directors and who made Dark Knight trilogy and Inception and Interstellar. So, you know, I mean, it's just it's it's just so it's so like he it's an exercise in restraint. Yeah, too much. 
Um, it's like he decided he was just going to like, it's only going to be an hour and a half instead of two hours and 45 minutes. It's not going to have any battle in it, even though it's an action, even though it's a war movie, which is a choice that I love if it could have been pulled off. And if anybody could have pulled it off, it was him. But I can't believe it, but it actually felt long and it was an hour and a half. I mean, that scene, I mean, how long does it take for Ed Hardy, or Tom, uh, it was his name, Ed Hardy, something Hardy. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. How long does it take for him to land that fucking plane? Oh my <laughs> God. He's landing that plane for 15 minutes. I swear. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's just, it just, it is a good movie. In fact, it's maybe a great movie, but boy, it is not one of Christopher Nolan's, Christopher Nolan's best. And it is certainly not like a masterpiece. Like people are talking. That's just my take though. It was one of the best theatrical experiences I had all year, I would say. Um, but again, there was just, I, I'm, I'm just looking at this list and it's amazing how many movies we talked about, how many I loved. And yeah, I mean, when I, Christopher Nolan movie doesn't make it in my top three. What a heck of a year it must be. Guess, that guess, was a very good year of film. It really was. Guess who just cracked the three-hour mark just as a testament? We, we did. We I did. Know. That's I a, that. that is a <laughs> testament to how good a year it was in film. We just can't stop talking about it. Um, it, it Thank just, you to our listeners out there who have made it to the end of this episode. Absolutely. You got to hear about Altered Carbon, and it, it will it will serve you well. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Right. Well, Any, that wraps uh, up film 2017. And, yeah, the, and the end of the year in Geek, in, a, in, yes. in uh, triumphant style. Absolutely. Indeed, uh, any films you guys are looking forward to in 2018? Does Altered Carbon count? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, 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 I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 this is totally off subject of great movies, but The Maze Runner, um, um, uh, uh, The Death Cure. I am all about it. Ever since Dylan O'Brien got hurt on the set of, the, of the, this movie, I was like, oh no, this movie may never come out. That was my second thought. My first thought was, poor poor Dylan O'Brien, I hope he's okay. <laughs> but my very next thought was, um, I, I can't wait for that movie to come out. I hope it comes out, and it is out. And I really like that trilogy. As, as, um, as post-apocalyptic uh, Hunger Games-esque stories go, it's probably my second favorite. Really like it. So, can't wait to see the third movie. Very nice. How about you guys? Uh, Jordan, you go ahead. My brain's pretty fried, so I'm trying to think of what's coming out this year. No, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> on the, you know, they didn't get a lot of love tonight, but I'm always looking forward to superhero movies. Um, obviously, Avengers: Infinity War is um, gonna be something, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm also really looking forward to Ant-Man and the Wasp, since that's the sequel to like my second favorite MCU movie. Uh, um, is that really where that has landed recently? Ant-Man. Yeah, I love Ant-Man. I, love I didn't know Ant-Man. it was that high though. I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm not going to say it's like I wouldn't say best probably, but I I can always put it on and enjoy it. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, So I'm looking forward to both of those. I'm also really looking forward to Thoroughbreds, uh, which is coming out, I think, relatively soon. Uh, And this is a new it is um, Anya Taylor-Joy's new film. Uh, she plays like a they, they two friends and I think they're trying to murder her stepdad. Um, it also is one of Anton Yelchin's final films, so I always like seeing him. Um, and I think those are the big ones. It's always hard. I'm not. I know a lot of movies will probably come out toward the end of the year. There's always there's a bunch of horror movies um, that'll probably come out and I'll enjoy. But yeah, those would be mine. I've got a few because I'm looking at a list right here of upcoming ones. But um, so the Predator comes out this year, the Shane Black one. Um, that better be awesome because the Predator franchise has been dead for like years, but this could be a really major comeback because uh, Shane Black was in the original Predator movie, um, which is a ton of fun oh, and wow. classic. Predator 2 is god-awful. Um, and then, you know, Danny there was Robert the AVP movies and all that. Um, 
yeah, the Danny Glover one. Um, but also Pacific Rim Uprising. I mean, oh, heck really? yeah. Um, yeah. heck yeah. That's going to, and then, and then, yeah, pro, I mean, and then Black Panther. And then oh, Black yeah. Black God, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it's, you know, it's so soon. I, I, I feel like it's still 2017 almost, but yeah, yeah that one, that one is definitely very I, soon. I can't wait to see Solo, and I really hope it's better than we're expecting. And I oh, I was, good... I was about to say that jokingly. No, I yeah. am. I'm looking forward to it. I want it to be great. If it's good, okay. I mean, dude, um, what's his name from Atlanta? Donald Glover's in it, man. He's gonna he's gonna wreck house. And if and maybe Anson, uh, not Anson Elgort. Wow, wishful thinking. Maybe um, what's his name? Um, his name is really Alden Ehrenreich. Alden Ehrenreich got the acting lessons he needed. Um, and uh, maybe he's stepping up his game. We don't know. He was really good in that one movie, the Coen Brothers movie. So that's true. Um, I, I looked up a list. So just a few quick others. Um, my big ones are. Isle of Dogs, the new Wes Anderson stop motion yeah. movie. Oh yeah, that looks good. Yeah, good looks God. fantastic. I'm I'm really these are two I'm curious on. I really want Tomb Raider to be good. Me too. <laughs> I would love a great video game adaptation. Um, also Venom, just just because that seems like such a weird movie, but it's attracted such a level of talent. Yeah, that yeah. there's got to be something in that script, right? That got like Michelle Williams and Tom Hardy signed off. Well, I'll tell you another one that I really want to see is that one. I don't know what it's called, but it's by the guy who did Ex Machina. Annihilation. Uh, Annihilation, which is the most generic name ever. Um, but still. But that yeah. looks really good. I can't wait to see, like, again, like the mystery and the lore, like, all revealed to me through a really tightly plotted narrative, which is what I'm hoping for. Yeah. And look. Then Ready Player One. Oh, God. Up. Oh, yeah, my yeah. God. That's number one, probably. Yeah. Um, I have zero desire to see that that's movie. That's unbelievable as a pop culture fan. That is unbelievable, especially that's if you all love it the is. 80s. It's a movie about, it's like, look at this pop culture thing. Do you, well, all right, I'm, I'm not going to take that personally, except to say that, like, give it a chance, man. No, I, look, well, I don't know, we'll see the reviews. If the reviews are at all good, I'll see it, but if not, I, I won't bother. Here's I'm a movie not, that I'm I don't... I'm like middle of the road on that. I'm not, like, super hyped like Rich is, but I, do, I mean, I'm going to see it. Um, but then, probably my most anticipated, though, and... This is one I want, like, an adults-only screening of because kids today have no idea that we've waited 14 years for this, but The Incredibles 2 finally comes out this year, and that just blows my mind because Incredibles <laughs> is my all-time favorite Pixar movie. I mean, should have had a sequel a long time ago, but, I mean, hey, we're finally getting it, and, uh, you know, I don't want to get my hopes up too high, but I am really looking forward you to it. You have this really funny little little piece of your personality, Kevin, that's, like, got the fanboy in you, man. It's so oh, awesome. Yeah. It's so awesome. Um, anyway, anyway. One more, I'm gonna bring this up, just because I didn't even know this was a thing. Did you know that Will Ferrell and John C. Riley are playing Watson and Holmes in a yeah, movie? Yeah, I heard that. I, I tried to put it out of my mind after I heard it. Wait, in what, like, in a live-action one? Yeah. They're ba- yeah, it's a live-action, it's called oh Holmes and Watson. Yeah, some comedy oh shit, wow. some poorly written thing that's probably like that movie The House, about the two parents who start a casino in their house to help their daughter get through college. Oh my god, it's probably something it, it like that. It could be funny, yeah, I mean, John C. Riley is a good actor, and so yeah. is Will Ferrell, and yeah. when they want to be, and yeah. if they have a good script, you never know. Watch The House and then, t- then talk to me, man. Because I, <laughs> I tried, I tried this year. There's just so many of those movies. There are a dime a dozen. Movies aren't good like they used to be. Those kind of movies, like old school, like there aren't movies like that anymore. Um, everything new is just, I don't know, I, it's Neighbors. Anyway, I didn't see Neighbors, so I can't really talk. But Neighbors is pretty funny. Okay. Well. Yeah, I thought it was real. But, okay, yeah, those are my anticipated ones. Awesome. All right, well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up then. Um, uh, what about where they can find us? Uh, you can find us at thejoyofgaming.com. 
www.drivegeek.com, which is our episode archive. You can also find the drivegeek.net for written content. Uh, you got Twitter at the Joy of Game. You got Facebook, the Joy of Geek, the Joy of Gaming. And uh, for me personally, for you, all kinds of pop culture opinions, I'm on Twitter at IndigoMaster, E N D I G O M A S T E R, where you're, I talk about comics, movies, games, TV, everything. You can also find me facebook.com slash writer and jordanelsaker.tumblr.com and welderkincomic.com, which is my new horror webcomic uh, with artist Joni Miller. Nice. Oh. You can find me at Rich Lepore uh, in Twitter land and Facebook land. Uh, Kevin? You can find me on Twitter at KWShafe and then all my uh, articles and podcasts for the medical site I work for at smanewstoday.com. Um, and then the upcoming Corpus Anthology, which the Kickstarter goes live February 4th. So um, be great if you could support that. And awesome. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, on that note, I'm Rich Lepore. Kevin Schaefer. Jordan Alseca. And we will see you all soon. Take care. Take care.